Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Spotcast. This is episode 26. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We also have Jonathan Kuline on the line from we're back, we're Mississauga, back. Ontario. Woo-hoo. We're back. We, we just saw a very important series of movies and shows and stuff, and we thought even though Star Trek is still, Star Trek Disco, Discovery is still, Disco as we like to call it, Disco. is still on uh, hiatus, we're, we're here to talk about the stuff that we've seen over the last couple of weeks at that have really um, had an impact. Yeah, yeah, that, that 2019 hiatus, which I hope means January 1st, uh, 2019, and not, you know, middle of the year or anything what? like that. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the intervening things that have gone in disco land uh, throughout the show. But uh, sure, spoilers yeah. for the rest of the show, uh, we'll definitely be talking about uh, Avengers Infinity War, which is sort of like the big blockbuster, and uh, maybe a little bit of Blade Runner 2049, because I finally got a yep. chance yep. to see finally. it. Finally, finally, <laughs> finally, yeah. And we can talk about Jessica Jones. Can we talk about Jessica Jones? season two uh, only do you want to talk about the one. first three episodes okay <laughs> oh really oh okay okay because you had a prediction in it i i, I can't say anything more uh, well i love that show and i really want to get to it but it's been uh my pvr is chocolate block so netflix has to take a back seat till i uh, catch up on all my uh wb shows and everything else that's sitting there waiting westworld came back so in and... the last episode of uh, yeah i haven't watched westworld yet oh so my probably, god you gotta but, watch westworld it's so uh, good i know i know i will i will i'm gonna go as soon as this is over, I'm going to go do it. Um, but also Lost in Space. We talked about that quite a bit on our last show. And I have sat down and binged through that as well, uh, as well as Peaky Blinders. I don't know if you guys are aware of Peaky Blinders. Or we even talked about it on the show before. But I know we talked about it on More Than Just Code podcast, which is our alternate identity. But um, yeah, so uh, Lost in Space, because I was a huge fan of that. I'd forgotten I was a huge fan of that, in fact, until, until they brought it back. And I was kind of wondering why they brought, would bring it back. So I've seen it now. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I have not. Hi, guys. You haven't watched it? Okay. Well, you can give us huh. the spoiler fee review of whether or not Jaime and I need to make time for this. Because I've, I've yeah, been waiting okay, for somebody yeah. to tell me whether it's worth watching or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I can do that. I can do that. I can do it fairly. So, so well, let's start the show like we normally do. Let's, let's go through our, um, which surprisingly is a lot of uh, Lost in Space trivia. Let's go through our uh, fact check, shall we? Sure. Uh, okay. So, since this is mostly me, should I, should I go ahead and do it? Go for it. All right. So, episode 25, we were talking a lot about Lost in Space. And 
And I had said at the time that um, at, at 33.23, we started talking about the robot on Lost in Space, who was, who was a key character on that show, kind of like like Hal was on, on 2001. Um, it was a voice a voice actor who whose his personality and his sense of humor was hilarious. And so I actually, while I was watching Lost in Space on Netflix, the reboot, I went back and did a bit of research on Lost in Space. And it turned out that the robot does, in fact, have a name. He is it refers to himself in one episode as B9, even though every other character on the show calls him robot just not the just robot right but he is a he's a class b9 m3 general utility non-theorizing environmental control robot is what he is that just rolls right off the tongue doesn't it it does doesn't it yeah. it does yes and uh so next fact check was at 3339 i was mistaken in the name of the younger daughter the, the older daughter is judy the younger daughter is penny which of course i should have known god i can't believe i got that wrong and um she was played by angela make room for daddy cartwright who was an english actor actually and if you listen if you watch some of the older episodes you actually actually can hear her slip into her native tongue accent uh, from time to time I forgot what the exact examples are, but she was also a star of The Sound of Music. She played Brigitta, which was the middle child in, uh, I think there were four, four girls in the, was it four? Yeah, there was four girls in the in Sound of Music. She was the second youngest daughter <laughs> with black hair, of course. But yeah, she was in Make Room for Daddy was uh, a, mo- a TV show starring Danny Thomas. I don't know if you guys remember Danny Thomas. I do remember Danny Thomas. And he was Marlo Thomas's uh, father, who was that girl. And she's married to, oh God, what's his name now? The, the guy before Oprah, Bill. Donahue. There you go. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Angela Cartwright was in a lot of shows back then, um, and I think I think um, her getting cast in Lost in Space might have been sort of the end of her child acting career, as it were, because it kind of, you know, stereotyped her. Um, then at 3507, Jaime mentioned that you don't go around naming your Macs. Well, as a matter of fact, you do, <laughs> right? And I just I dug up some of the names of my older Macs. My first Mac's name was Marvin. I had a Mac named Zappa at one point. Of course, my longest running name was Mac Michelangelo. Um, I have a server named Camarillo who sits behind me making noises right now. And I have another one named Zoot, which is now dead. Um, we currently have an Bad iMac called Zoot. Yes. Well, not, this is actually Zoot is the name of the, the trumpet player on the Muppets. We'll get to the Muppets in a minute yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a, a Vector. I wanted to call my dog Vector, but of course I wasn't allowed to do this. So I called my computer Vector instead. And Jonathan at one point had his, I think his first Mac was called Felix. And then he bought a bigger hard drive and he named that one big felix if i'm not mistaken yeah well that was the performa i upgraded from the classic two to the performa so it was oh, big felix. So bigger bigger computer yeah I yeah felix, yeah right it was and of course felix the cat was the icon on his on his uh, drive yeah so do you still name your computers i i haven't for a while i must admit uh yeah it became less sort of on vogue when um it was sharing right it was the profiles profiles sort of changed it because uh my laptop right now has multiple profiles for different members of the household so it doesn't really behoove it to give it a name you end up doing yeah, more just by decorating the intro screen and stuff right i think i think yeah i think back then it was more about um classic because we used to customize everything about our classic computers mm-hmm. you know, before the unix came along and put all these restrict restrictions on us and stuff anyway at 3525 i also mentioned robbie the robot who was a star of forbidden planet and as a matter of fact he was made by the same effects uh, house as uh, the robot b9 was made um, and and robbie also appears in a couple of episodes if I'm not mistaken of you know Lost in Space because I mean why Erwin Allen who was was famous for um, recycling his you know rubber men you know the, the swamp creature ended up on Time Tunnel and I believe he was on Lost in Space as well and so he would Erwin Allen was at the time was he was sort of the oh, I mean he was like everybody he was like you know 
like J.J. Abrams of his day, if you will. Like he kind of had all these different shows and all these crazy ideas. He had like the Time Tunnel and he had, you know, Land of the Giants. Oh, and, Land of the Lost and yeah. Yeah, and he did Towering Inferno as a movie. And, you know, that was, I think it was, that was probably hit the epitome. Or maybe the Poseidon Adventure might have been his too, now that I think about it. But yeah, a lot, a lot of, he had a lot of shows back then. I guess it was sort of a thing to do. You just, you know, once you once you got on a roll, they kind of just gave you more money to whatever. But he would recycle his, his rubber rubber suits, you know, for various villains and stuff like that. And so Robbie, Rob- Robbie the Robot ended up on a lot of shows back then. So, yeah. Um, and then at one seventeen oh three, we're talking about um, Altered Carbon and the character. So our, our Joel Kidman, Kidman plays the main character in the show, but he's actually, I guess, a, he's a sleeve. Mm-hmm. And the original person that he was, was was played by an actor named Will Yun Lee. And we talked about him a bit. And, and I mentioned at the time that he's been in a lot of different shows and, you know, True Blood and um, a bunch of bunch of other shows. Not really sort of known, but, but he's becoming more an up and coming kind of of uh, actor portraying a lot of different roles these days. Yep. So I believe that's the fact check. And he got some he got some good screen time in there too. They did a lot of flashbacks, so he got uh, sort of retroactively got to be the star of his own memories. Yeah, but surprisingly, he was only in five episodes. I looked it up on IMDb. Like you know, you kind of he was kind of you thought he was in a lot of them, right? But Joel Kidman was of course in every, all ten episodes. But yeah, yeah, he was only only appeared in five of them, yep. which is strange. Because mm-hmm. you're right, he was he was. He, I mean, all the way through, you kind of knew he was. You found out early early on that he. Was was he was in fact the original guy that got you know offed or whatever yeah it's a weird kind has- of uh 22nd century whitewashing where they took the asian man and put him in a white guy's sleeve that's uh- that's true <laughs> <laughs> okay now <laughs> um yeah so um yeah so i guess we'll get to the headlines now right and so the first one was for me again i hate to monopolize the show oh you just hold take hold take the reins and run off you go all right well we were talking about um deep fake and uh which was a technology that was talked about on spark um way back when and we were i I don't know why i put cavill's mustache in here but um, well because that's what they used to get henry cavill's mustache from his mission mission impossible filming off of his face when he had to go back and do reshoot for uh justice league they used that technology they didn't, they didn't go and like photoshop each frame or whatever uh I'm, i don't know i think that i think that was the story is that's what they they had used right right and, and of course there's an example here in this in this link i've got um of a person doing a deep fake with uh, donald trump's face which you know kind of is disturbing in itself but you know becomes even more depraved and disturbing later on when you start thinking about you know the fact that we can have video in as evidence in a trial well i guess i guess now we can't right um, and you guys were having a sort of interesting discussion before we started taping here about um, porn being made with deep fake. Yeah, I was, I was listening to a podcast a while ago now, a good month ago, where they were talking about how... Um yeah, people are getting uh, filing lawsuits because they're actually using their uh, likenesses and putting them into adult films. So they're taking like famous people and putting them in really convincing scenarios where they look oh, really? yeah. very much like a very plausible scenario. And apparently, this is not necessarily a mainstream thing, but it is uh, out there on the internet that you can see, you know, a likeness of I'm going to use for just the sake of example, like a Scarlett Johansson, but it looks just like her, and they've used this deep fake to make it look like it's her 
you know, talking dirty and doing dirty movies. So it's pretty crazy. Wow. Well, and just to turn that around uh, on Saturday Night Live, they, they, you know, they normally do um, a bit at the opening. The cold opener is usually something related to the president of the United States mm-hmm. and his entourage of people. And they had somebody portraying Stormy Daniels, Daniels on, on Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was actually portrayed by Stormy Daniels. It, it, it was. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good episode. That was uh, This was a good, good week for what was It was the, the uh, Lando Calrissian episode. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that he actually, that Daniel, Donald Glover, Daniel? Donald? Donald. Donald Glover is also... Childish Gambino. Um, yeah. Uh, rapper, rap star. He also he also does DJing under Mr. DJ or something like that, or MR DJ or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Imp- I, I, I was surprised because I, I actually wasn't watching the show live. I had it on silent and I was working on something else. But when I went back and watched it with, with the sound on, then I thought, oh, it's interesting. He's his own musical guest, right? But yeah. I didn't realize he has a different persona. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, he, he's about to release a new album, but apparently he's going to retire that name, he says, at the end of... Uh, touring this this new okay new album but i have a question for you yeah have you seen the this is america video yeah it's bizarre oh my god <laughs> it's great though i mean it's genius but yeah yeah yeah. but did he debut that song i heard he debuted some song yeah. on, on he did two on, new songs that... yeah he did he did that and he did another one on uh on snl and it's the first and they dropped the video the next day right have you seen the video by me i haven't but i've been seeing buzz about it so i'm like oh wow i need to go check it out on youtube or something yeah yeah we'll have, we'll have to put a link in the show notes for the folks at home it is not safe for work uh, <laughs> it is not safe for many situations yeah nope I, uh, I I looked because I saw that he's coming and doing his tour they announced it long before they even announced he was going to release a new album although I think everybody anticipated it and I took a look to see because uh, he's coming to play the Air Canada Centre here in Toronto and I thought oh well really? I'll take a look and see what that was but the tickets were um, exorbitant would be a kind way to put it they were through the roof and I thought yeah it was a little beyond me but uh, uh, but now, having heard these first couple tracks, I'm actually kind of kind of uh, dismayed that I didn't get tickets because he's 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 a really he's a really great rapper. Well, yeah, yeah, I found the link here. Um, yeah. So, what's next here? Is it me still? Yes, one more for you. One more for me. All right. Now, oh yes, Captain Esteban. I can't remember why we were talking about Captain Esteban. Do you remember? These I, apologies. I put these on right after we recorded episode 25. Um, yeah, we really need actor? like a last time on Spotcast. <laughs> catches you up yeah. from the summer break. <laughs> So, yeah, no, so something here. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I'm just looking up what what the the link we have for our show notes is, and it's it's got him and the uh, Captain J T Esteban of the USS Grissom uh, and his Kelvin Line counterpart, uh, timeline counterpart, seated the Starfleet Academy board. So it's uh, they right. they clearly have recycled an old character. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. Was he? So what? So USS Grissom wasn't that in just in Disco recently? E- Somehow. I don't. I don't even remember. It's been so mm-hmm. long. Yeah, the name sounds familiar, so maybe it was brought up in Disco. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, Grissom, Grissom was the ship that they found all blowed up or something. Oh, no, that's the one that did the flip into... Was that the one that, that flipped through the time tunnel or whatever? Man, we should go back and watch Stay Disco. Stay tuned, folks. This is making for some real good fact-checking. <laughs> could be some real good fact-checking in the next episode, if we can remember by the time Yeah, we get there. I'll remember to do the fact-check sooner than later next time. What it's about, yeah. All right, so uh, off to you, Jonathan. All right, so uh, let's do a little catch-up on... Uh, 
uh, on where we are in uh, discovery. So a uh, good little buzz today that uh, our, our man, um, Jonathan Frakes, posted a photo of himself. He's uh, back in Toronto directing episodes of Star Trek Discovery Season 2, uh, which started filming uh, within the last week or two. And he posted a picture of himself on Twitter with uh, with his his Imzadi, uh, the uh, lovely Marina mm-hmm. Sirtis was here. So uh, that's it seemed like a very innocuous picture. It's just the two of them uh, sharing a hug uh, behind the scenes uh, on the disco set. But uh, as these things do, that gets a life of its own. So people today were, well, if she's going to be on the show, who could she play? Uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, it's nice to see the two of them together again. Uh, and I, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if that is going to be something or if it's just two old friends reconnecting so he was directing an episode is that what we're talking about yeah or? he directed an episode uh, of the of last season and so he's come back to do some more and uh they have not presented any comment beyond uh marina visited him on the set but mm-hmm. could be maybe a guest spot down the road who knows yeah i saw some tweets actually from um the uh the, the lady stars of disco about having met her and and uh you know today believe it or, or yesterday i think yep so, yep so this is pretty recent this story yep yeah i think it was yesterday that they uh oh okay yeah. okay yeah right. and speaking of guest stars on disco uh so they announced uh, a little while ago that tig nataro the comedian mm-hmm. is going to be a guest star on the show in season two they have not said for how many episodes but apparently she's going to be on she's going to be playing the chief engineer of the uss hiawatha chief engineer denise reno uh and mm-hmm. so that's another little interesting tidbit we're going to see another starship and not sure how that ties into what we left off last season with uh, a little bit of uh, uh, suspense getting to see the Enterprise show up. We'll see how this plays out in season two. And now, uh, of course, we may be waiting a little longer for season two, but we'll get to that. Uh, um, We also got our first look inside the new old Enterprise. Uh, Entertainment Weekly posted a a nice little clip you can have a look at. Uh, We'll post that in our show notes. Uh, They are just announcing that they're going back to filming. It's got some sort of voiceovers and little moments and stuff like that so you can actually uh, get a little look inside the new set uh, look what they've done differently you can get a little look at the costumes and stuff like that so it's uh, yeah it's kind of a nice little sneak preview of uh, what we've got to look ahead to it's pretty cool cool yeah and they also posted uh, an interesting story on Gizmodo on io9 uh, that talked about how they had to redesign the exterior of the ship now I thought this one was really interesting apparently for legal reasons they had to modify the ship on every future iteration because the rights have fragmented and so it's talking about how you know they're not allowed to have the ship look identical to what it looked like in the 1960s that's why we're seeing oh, really? yet another variation on on the enterprise um so yeah apparently the legal department stepped in so that they, it has to look 25 percent different than really? previous iterations it says uh let's see uh the task started with the guideline the enterprise for discovery had to be 25 percent difference otherwise production would have most likely been able to use the original design from the 60s but it couldn't happen so we took the original concepts and tried to be as faithful as possible so interesting that that was yeah. part of the consideration uh but that's i guess if people are wondering why we're not seeing a carbon copy of what we would have seen in the original series that's that's your answer hmm. yeah it's, i wonder if that applies to the movies too because because even in the first 
Star Trek movie didn't look identical, right? Yeah. So it says, um, yeah, the guideline apparently came from legal. Uh, actor Enterprise properties of Star Trek ownership changed hands and was divided. So it was able to cross TV shows up to that point, changed a lot, and the crossover was uh, the crossover was no longer allowed. So yeah, apparently they're not allowed to use that likeness of the ship in its totality due to legal reasons because the rights are fragmented. Interesting. I wonder if it still belongs to Desilu or something like that, or or CBS, or I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah. Or 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 some you know proprietary designer owns a right, or I don't know. But but interesting that that that's a factor in how they have to think about that. So so I don't know if I ever mentioned this on the show or ever to you before, but um, I'm I saw the original Star Trek Enterprise at the Smithsonian in nineteen. What year was Watergate? Seventy three, I think. So we were we went to Washington on a family trip and went to the Smithsonian, and of course the Enterprise was there in a big glass booth. And then um, when I went back to the Smithsonian a few years ago, twenty fifteen, I think for our DevCon, it was actually in the in the back area of, and it was being reassembled uh, for the I guess the twenty fifth anniversary. What what just went by? Fiftieth for Star Trek. Fiftieth. Hmm? Fifty. Was it fifty years? Oh my god! I'm <laughs> it was in the nineteen sixties, man. Yeah, time goes by <laughs> real fast. Wrinkly. Yeah, I did the I did the problem. I had a math problem on uh, denial of math problem on uh, more than just code last weekend too. Yeah, so okay, so the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, so they they reassembled it and, and put it back in the Smithsonian. I didn't actually didn't go to the Smithsonian this year. I should have done that just to see if it was there. Sort of come you know full circle as it were, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I have I a feeling it'll be there for a few more years. But no, I mean they they took it out. I mean like they, it was there and then they took it out and they put it back and you know they took it all apart and so I have pictures of it, it being a reassemble and, and you just you see the dish on one skid and you see the body on another skid as as they were kind of you know painstakingly putting it back together. So hmm. who knew? Who knew? Yeah, I'd be we, interested to see more of these designs. So talking about the uh, the interiors, uh, the link that, that Jonathan has here also has the uh, art design for the uniforms and the Enterprise itself would be interesting because we got like a real quick sneak peek at the exterior and, and that could change for season two slightly, right? As they decide to show it more. Um, my favorite original Enterprise design is pretty much from the movies and I can't remember if they all look the same. There's probably slight tweaks. I want to say it's the Enterprise A is probably my favorite sort of, you know, it, it looks like the classic design, but it's, you know, more modern, sleek, you know, bigger budget. Is that the one that blew up in the Wrath of Khan? Uh, that would be the original Enterprise. And then yeah. they get the Enterprise A, the renamed Yorktown, and it looks slightly different. I, you know, I've seen one of those, uh, you know, comparisons online. I feel like that's the best one because there's, you know, the original from the TV series, you know, that's got some charm. Um, the J.J. Abrams, Kelvinverse one, it, you know, it, it looks a lot like the original with some modern sensibilities, but I never really liked the nacelle piece, but I feel like the movies, the original movies, Enterprise, really, really was my favorite, and I'm excited to see if, if I'll have a new favorite with the Discovery version when it, you know, gets really you know, prime access to look at it. Yeah, so that's what I mean, though. Like, in which one? The, which Because I know that in the, in the um, are we meant to believe in the, in the Star Trek uh, movie, the first one, that they were, they were retrofitting the original Star Trek Enterprise? Yeah. And that's the one that Khan blows up? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then because then they had an enterprise in in um, is it end of search for Spock to get an enterprise back or something? Uh, they come no, back. it's end of of uh, voyage home, end of part four. They yeah. go, they think they're going to get in the hot water, but they brought the humpbacks and saved the earth, and right. then they get a new ship because they demote Kirk from admiral to captain and they give him a ship. 
Right. Then right. we have to endure Star Trek Five, and then we get to see it in action in, in Star Trek Six. And right. but it gets the holy heck blown out of it because they say it's going to be decommissioned at the end of that too. Right. Right. Huh. Yep. And right. I'm also kind of curious on the uniform thing here for Enterprise for the Enterprise, whether there'll be like a little uh, sly comment or nod to the fans of like, "Hey, why do you guys get the new uniforms? We're still stuck with the new blue ones. Oh well, we're the flagship of the Federation, so we get all the cool stuff first. Sucks to be you. Mm-hmm. Inexplicably, people are you. wearing mini skirts and uh they're multiple colors and uh yeah they'll just be able to mix all kinds of weird excuses in there i, I look forward to seeing how they explain all that yeah. yeah i was gonna say who do you think's gonna play the is it kelvin universe that jj abrams is in which one is, what, uh, yeah which kelvin timeline, timeline i think is what they call it. so who's gonna play jean-luc picard in that universe Ugh. Tom Hardy? Uh-huh. <laughs> Tom Hardy. You're saying that because yeah. Tom Hardy plays every bald guy part. Come on. Yeah, yeah. He was supposed to be his clone, right? Yeah, exactly. From, yeah, yeah. Nemesis. So, you know, just wait a few more years by the time they decide to reboot TNG. And yeah, Tom Hardy will probably be yeah. the right 40, age. 45-ish by that point if he's not already or 50-ish, however old uh, Patrick Stewart huh. was when he started. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Hmm. All right. What else you got? Uh, another fun story. Okay. It's kind of fun. It's kind of funny. Um, so Star Trek uh, Discovery had an episode where famously they dropped the F-bomb a couple times and yeah. that apparently uh, did not go over well here in Canada. So really, the story has, uh, this This came out uh, about, about a month ago that um, so here in Canada it airs on Space, the Space Channel and it airs at 8 o'clock on Sunday nights. Oh, right. Apparently you're not allowed to use the F-bombs until after 9 o'clock at night because of the regulations. So so they used the F-bomb twice. Uh, apparently the Broadcast Standards Council here in Canada was not very pleased by this and uh, get, apparently slapped the uh, knuckles of uh, of space for airing this episode so early in the night when young youngsters could be influenced by that naughty, naughty language. So uh, yeah, some, some effing trouble for the uh, for the people at Space Network over over the F-bombs in Star Trek. Hmm. Were they okay with the uh, the Klingon space nipple? Like, what was that? I can't remember, that. I can't remember that Space happens before or nipple. after that moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah didn't we see that more than once i'm sure we said i sure it was in a couple episodes we should yeah we'll have to ask if that was okay because i guess that's uh so clearly fake i don't know Mm-hmm. Wait, did I miss something here? Yeah, there's a couple of different flashbacks where you, uh, where um, he's flashing back to to being imprisoned and being uh, well, what he thinks is being raped, right? But it's actually turns out to be consensual um, in retrospect. And uh, so they go back and they're having these flashbacks, and you actually see uh, Laurel, right? You see Laurel mm-hmm. topless at a couple of different occasions, right? Right. Very hmm. very fleeting, so but clear, like you can clearly see it, <laughs> right? <sighs> there you go and uh in our first bit of non-star trek news i thought this was really interesting this just uh i just saw this tonight so this was from yeah. our, our our friends at reuters have a story that says that uh apparently comcast is preparing a bid to try and buy fox's assets uh to try and undercut disney wait isn't that an old story uh the story is moved today so i hadn't seen this previously apparently that comcast was in the talks 
previously to try and acquire these things, but apparently they okay, have they have right. tried to uh, trying to work out bridge financing from investment banks to try and place a, a cash bid of sixty billion dollars, which would be seven billion dollars more than Disney's bid, and also it's a cash bid, not a stock bid, so it's a more favorable uh, deal for Fox. No word no word on whether this is coming to pass. This is uh, Reuters is reporting multiple sources have told them this, but uh, this this is them pulling the Thanos and uh, and wiping out uh, all hope here. They've uh, they've decided that they want to disrupt and potentially own uh, a large portion of, of uh, Marvel's catalog that they were hoping to get back, including the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer, uh, and all that, Deadpool, right. that were everyone was very eagerly anticipating, oh, how is this going to impact all those characters going back into the Marvel Universe and Marvel getting all its properties back? Well, you know, stay tuned. This could get interesting. Right. Comcast isn't that the guy, that, the company that you, you and Mark use for internet, Jaime? I can't remember if Mark does, probably, because they're probably all up the West Coast. Uh, also known as Xfinity, if you're using the Xfinity cable internet service, uh, as opposed to Time Warner, which has Roadrunner as the... Uh, right. Equivalent. So this is essentially your Rogers, I guess. Yes, right? based on the way you've talked about the, uh, their delightful yeah, Rogers service and customer here. service. I, I believe they're roughly equivalent between American <laughs> Canadian types. No, it's just that Rogers has been buying up all the assets here too. I mean, they own they own the what I like to call the Sky Dome is now the Rogers Center, right? And uh, and they've been buying up things left, right, and center, along with uh, CTV, which is the other Canadian network here, right? Yep. Uh, well, no, uh, Bell owns. Yeah, Bell owns. Bell owns the Rogers Center. No, Rogers owns the Rogers Center. What? Bell owns uh, Globe and Mail and uh, CTV. Rogers owns City TV right. and Sportsnet, which is the biggest sports channel here. Right. But didn't they, it wasn't when they when they were divvying up when, didn't they divide up space t- the, all the CTV properties uh, or city TV properties as well as CTV? So Bell bought all of Moses Neimer's properties. That's what I meant. Yeah. But then they legally, because they already own CTV, couldn't own. Um, City TV, so they sold City TV to Rogers, but they right. kept Space and Much and a whole bunch of the other cable properties. Right, right. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, there we go. All right, so I guess the next one is sort of me. Um, if you've been watching Hell on Wheels on, um, I guess it's what is that uh, channel called? AMC. AMC. Yeah, um, you know who Anson Mount is, and I'm, I'm not sure who he was before that. He's been in a few movies and things like that before that, but yeah, he had a big. He was a big starring role in that and of course he played with uh, former chief o'brien and i've forgotten his name now uh colm mealy no what's his name it's like colm meany i think yeah colm mealy that's what that's what i just said yeah something like that they yeah, were former Meany, chief yeah. o'brien from from the tng um who played a you know snidely whiplash kind of guy really you know nasty nasty piece of work um but anson Mount was this calm cool you know troubled you know ex-gunman guy who runs the anyway he ha- took a role last year in the i uh, can't be the unbelievable or something like that. What was that show called where he didn't say a word in with the big humans. dog? Inhumans. Inhumans, yes, which didn't last very long. Um, but now, Still hasn't now that been he's canceled. free... Still hasn't been canceled for the record. Really? So oh, you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Anyway, he's going to be playing Christopher Pike, Captain Christopher Pike in the in Disco's version of Star Trek. And he's, so and he's an, a really good uh, facsimile of the original actor. Mm-hmm. Of um, which Christopher Pike, the uh... the the one who actually acted in the in the pilot, not the, uh, yes, not the I'm one who was in the chair name. going. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, no, I remember. What's his name again? Because uh, because uh, Jeffrey Hunter, 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the story about Jeffrey Hunter. He, apparently, he was all set to be um, the leader of the Enterprise or whatever it was going to be called back in the early early days. But he took on a role in a movie called King of Kings, where he played Jesus, right? And uh, that's why he didn't continue on in the sort of uh, the start because he was in the original pilot, The Cage, right? Which then became um, the the two parter where Kirk goes or sorry Spock goes on trial for uh, doing something bad, and he he he. Uh, I think Pike was one of the uh, yeah. It was his, his the menagerie, wasn't it? The, uh... Yeah, the menagerie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. And so they they sort of play it. They they used they wanted to recycle again. Talking about recycling all that old footage that they already had in the can, right? So yep. they made a new episode out of it. And uh, so Spock's the ruse is that Spock is is um, setting up Christopher Pike to be um, go back and live in the in the menagerie where he could be a whole again, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so Anson Mount, uh, yeah, it's cool, cool actor, uh, interesting guy. We'll see what he does with uh, Christopher Pike. And I mean, again, so he's replacing, oh, spoilers? Can we talk about spoilers on Discovery? Yeah, I think we may have hit the statute of limitations here. Yeah, so if you haven't binged it on, because uh, now you can watch all 12 episodes or whatever it is on, what's that thing called? You watch CBS All Access, right, Jaime? That's correct. Yeah, so you can sit down and binge them all and, and get through that before you watch, listen to the rest of the show. Um, yeah, because we lost uh, our, our guy, what's his name now? <laughs> Forgotten. Lorca? Uh, Lorca, yeah, now, what was the actor's name? Jason uh, Isaacs, I think. Yeah, Jason Isaacs. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we lost him at the end of end of the season, or we think we lost it. We're not really sure. Well, I think it's safe to say that that version of Florica is n- no longer with us because he got thrown into space and then burned through plasma. So he does not look like he was in good shape when it was all well, over him. Yeah, or or did he just join the what? What was that viral network or uh, the mycelial s- network? The mycelial <laughs> network. Yeah, yeah. He mm-hmm. might have just joined that too. You never know. Yes, that's it's conceivable. Uh, uh, I think if we if we are going to see him again, I wouldn't be surprised if what we saw was the the uh, regular universe version of him. Yeah, yeah. His his actual good self maybe comes back, but uh, but right, yeah. Stranger things have happened. This is science fiction for a reason. We can you can science the heck out of this stuff. So yeah, I wonder if Bruce Greenwood is like pounding his fist to get some desk somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, married to the sister of a friend of mine, as a matter of fact, or was at one point. Hmm. That's another story for another day. Um, okay, so moving on. What do you got next? Is Jonathan right? Yes. Well, I guess this is the. Should we, oh, are we there yet? Yeah. There. Let's let's do the mm-hmm. thing, and then the other things are tied to that thing. So let's. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna do this uh, spoiler free, right? So let me let me find my timer. So yeah. So what we do here on this show, folks, if you haven't sort of figured it out by now, is uh, we normally cover the discovery and we talk about um, the show previous. That, but of course, there's no shows to talk about. But when we have a big movie like uh, Avengers: Infinity War we like to do a review of it now that Jaime has caught up to us and seen it. <laughs> and uh, so we can do a non-spoiler review of the of the show as best we can. And then we will set a timer for approximately 10 minutes and we will dive in and chop it up with knives and stuff and, you know, snap our fingers and we'll be back to normal after 10 minutes. So, Jaime, what did you think about the movie now that you've seen it? What do you... All those actors running around and yeah, two I, giant big battles and... Yeah. I thought it was a really, a really solid film. It's two hours, 29 minutes. It moves really quickly. Um, perhaps a little too quickly early on, I felt. I felt like it, it sort of settles down in the last last third, maybe the last half. I, I lost track of where, where time was. 
Uh, but it's a good movie. That's kind of a pun, isn't it? <laughs> um, and I feel I feel like Thanos was done way better than I thought he could be. Um, I'll probably talk more about this when we get into the, the spoiler section. But okay. I feel like Thanos was what you would have liked to see Justice League do with Steppenwolf. Um, they're, they're very, very similar parallels there in, in the way the, the motivation and structure is set up. Um, we've gotten only these teases of Thanos. I feel like we saw quite a bit of a different Thanos than uh, than even the, the teases started early on. But I feel like he uh, he's basically the protagonist of this film. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he's a hero, you know, but he's he's sort of the one that, that everything revolves around, and it's sort of his movie. So it'll be very interesting to see where the sequel picks up from and, and if they can carry that. I, I really love the portrayal by uh, Josh Brolin. Um, they were concerned about having a CGI-only villain, very similar to what we saw with Steppenwolf, and yet I thought it really worked for the most part. And then, of course, you know, seeing you know all the different uh, Avengers groups, you know, splinter and break up and, and do their thing. Uh, there's like five or six different storylines going on that converge together. I thought it was handled really well. Uh, not perfect by any means, um, but still done really well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree, Jaime. I think it was, uh, I think it was really uh, amazing. I, you know, I'm obviously very familiar with the source material. Uh, you know, I read, I read those books when they were new. Um, they, but they took it to some interesting places. They wove things together in a really organic way. Uh, it was, I mean, there's never been anything like it. There's never been anything that has woven together something so complex um, and to do it so well and to service, I mean, you're right, it was a long movie and it did have some moments where it felt like, you know, they were just trying to get everybody the obligatory screen time. But I thought they really did do a good job of bringing it all together, giving the actors different chances to shine, play off each other in different dynamics. Uh, it was a really satisfying experience and, and really enjoyable. It was it was epic on a scale that you rarely see. I mean, you know, uh, the amount of emotional investment I think everybody feels after watching 18 previous Marvel movies and, and going on the journey with a lot of these characters. Again, this is our, you know, what, sixth appearance for the Hulk. And, you know, I mean, some of these characters have been in a ton of movies now. Uh, so you really do feel like, you know, when, when they're going through some serious, uh, you know, problems and it's, uh, you know, it's, I don't think a spoiler to say that there are some casualties in this movie. Uh, you know, you really, you really feel it. You really feel like, you know, this is, this is a big stakes uh, in a way that a lot of movies really lack, you know, uh, I liked parts of the Justice League movie, but I never for a second thought that anything bad was going to happen to any of those characters. Not for a second. It, it just never, it never crossed my mind that anybody would take that kind of chance with those kind of properties. Whereas this, they had built it to a place where you could put some extreme stakes in place and you've got such a deep bench of talent that you can really take some chances and go some places and tell some different types of, you know, uh, stories that actually have a real investment to them. It was, I, it was, it was really, really amazing how well they pulled this off. Now you've read the books though. Like I think you were telling me that, that, um, and is it a spoiler to say that if, you know, how closely does it match the storyline in the books? I know that some of the, there were some copyright issues in terms of who, who did what to whom and whatever, but yeah, um, I mean, so it's funny because this actually was one of the crossovers from that era where, um, some internal politics actually helps Marvel here because in the original infinity gauntlet book, which is the sort of pre, uh, the one that this is most based on, uh, the, editor of the X-Men books said basically uh, you can't use the X-Men, you can only use two characters. So they really didn't have a huge presence 
on uh, in, in that storyline. So taking them out and having them replaced with other characters, in this case, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, were a different thing here. Um, it, it doesn't really change the story too dramatically. Um, there are obviously, you know, they've they've really done a good job of weaving it into the grand, uh, you know, Kevin Feige masterpiece of a universe thing that they've been doing for the last decade. Um, so it, 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 it feels, on one hand, it feels connected to that book, but it really feels like its own thing. Like they've done such a masterful job of, of building this universe. Like, like I said, you know, again, I, I hate to rip on the competition, but Justice League didn't earn it. It didn't earn it. I didn't feel invested in those characters. Like, as a matter of fact, I, as much as I love all those characters and I even thought the performances, I love I loved Gal Gadot, I love Jason Momoa. They, it just didn't feel like they earned it. This movie earned it. They spent 10 years building these characters up. They spent 10 years making us invest and care and develop and really building that interest in that world so that when they do something like this where, yeah, I mean, you know, you've got 25 different actors and some of them don't get nearly as much screen time as you like. But man, when you, when you come down to it, like it's such a huge task to try and pull that together and they did it so well. It, it really is mm-hmm. an astonishing achievement. Right. And so it's not a spoiler to say that you wrote an article for Cineplex. Can you sort of give us a rundown on that? Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, How did that work? And <laughs> Yeah. I uh, So a, a colleague of mine from the past asked if I would be interested in uh, in doing some work for uh, Cineplex.com here in Canada's movie, movie theater chain uh, uh, related to movies in general. She didn't actually specifically ask for uh, Avengers. She basically said, I need some people right. who can write. I know you can write. I know your stuff. Uh, you know, if you have some ideas, send me some pitches. So the first thing I, of course, pitched her was uh, she saw Avengers at a screening because she works for right. the company. She saw it a few days before its release and said, oh my God, you got to watch it. I said, I'm going on Thursday. So Friday morning, I sent her a note and said, oh, I've got some ideas. So I wrote a piece for Cineplex.com uh, that went up on Saturday. It was the Easter eggs, some of the Easter eggs you can see. Uh, and so there's some fun stuff in there, some stuff straight from the books, some stuff just for fans and some stuff for uh, just, you know, people at large, lots of little little fun little things in there. So yeah, I, I had a good time doing that. And as part of that, I actually wrote um, a piece for, I think I'm going to put it up on jpkcomics.com this week of just the 10 scenes that blew me away. So right. uh, I've got a little uh, little little extra content there that I, I uh, make something out of. But yeah, it was it was fun. I, I you know, I, I did feel inspired after seeing the movie. I was like, oh, this is there's so much stuff to chew on here. There's so many little moments that you can really, uh, you know, you can really sink your teeth into and you know again we'll, we'll get into that if we do a little little spoiler version of this you know we'll do a little recap and talk about some of that stuff but yeah there's there's some real neat moments in this movie where some of it is like it's straight out of the book and that for me is a huge thrill to see those kind of things brought to life mm-hmm. in that way and some of it is just you know these guys are just great filmmakers the the russo brothers just you know they they, they care and they put in all these little fun things and uh you know there's a great uh, a, a great easter egg in there from the show that they used to direct arrested development they put in a little right, yeah. development teaser in there which is really fun uh, just like they did for civil war so you know lots of fun little things in there so but wasn't that 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 easter egg was i, I did see the i saw the easter egg but wasn't that in the um uh, guardians of the galaxy too i i don't remember seeing that that character yeah. in that way in that right, film right. okay yeah, yeah well because I, I had seen a couple of um youtube videos about um, what was going on in 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 this and and uh you know because you have i think you counted off six right and i saw something with 10 or 12 or something like that and i was thinking well, why didn't you mention that and then i realized okay well if you had mentioned it it would be a spoiler for the movie so. yeah and that's uh, the the thing to bear in mind when you read uh, the work that i'll be doing for cineplex is that uh, obviously they have a vested interest in making 
sure Willis that Bowman you movies. want to go see the flick and not necessarily are looking for something that I would write if I was writing for someplace that didn't mind spoiling. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Cool. We'll have to link those into the show and talk about them and stuff. Yes. All right. Okay. So, um, yeah, my, my, my spoiler free, free review of ask people have asked me about it, uh, you know, cause it, they, we went and saw it on day one, I think, right. Or day before the day before day, one. day before day one. That's right. And, um, yeah. So people have been asking me like without spoiling it, you know, what was my, my impression is, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good movie. It's really, really long. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I have to say there was a couple of points in the, in the thing where I was having trouble keeping up with the threads, but yeah, that it, cause it does bounce around a bit. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was uh, yeah definitely, definitely worth seeing. Um, there was a lot more in it than, you know, I could take in, but in some cases, cause I mean, uh, some of the people meant nothing to me. Right. But yeah, it, you're right. It, it, the building up of the, the last 10 years, starting from, we counted off the 18 movies that made up this in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the, all told, I mean, it's amazing that it was 10 years and it was 18 films and this is like the 19th film in the, in that franchise, right? Yep. 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 Right. It's funny cause, uh, I heard a, a podcast a little while ago. Uh, I'm a fan of Kevin Smith, the, the, uh, uh filmmaker podcaster. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Somebody asked him who his favorite filmmaker is right now. And he said, Kevin Feige. And people said, well, no, he can't be your favorite filmmaker. He's not a director. He's not a, you know, cinematographer. He's not, and he's the yeah. architect of this. The, the guy is a genius to have the vision to think of of the way they intertwine this something this complex into something like this guy is an absolute visionary like obviously he works with a very talented group of people to bring it to life and works with amazing directors and amazing writers and everything else but wow i mean to have that yeah it's something like asimov would have done back in the day you know in in fiction writing right and it's just like something out of the comic books like it's 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 the scale and scope of it i mean uh you know it's it's like something you would have seen in one of those you know mass Massive summer blockbuster crossovers in the 1990s or, or 2000s. You know, this is the Secret Wars. This is the Infinity Gauntlet. This is the you know, insert your massive crossover here. Atlantis attacks. Um, you could you could pick <laughs> out all these different things where you know all these heroes come together. But to see that brought to life on a screen, I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. I never thought I'd see anything on this kind of scale. And again, again, it made me really excited for the possibility of where movies will go if this genre continues to show strong and. And at $1.2 billion after 10 days, that's where they're at right now. Um, there's no sign it's going away. And How much have they made in 10 days? $1.2 billion. Billion. Fast, billion with a B. Fastest movie to a bit. Biggest opening of all time in Canada and the United States and worldwide. Yeah. And the fastest movie to a billion dollars in history. So this movie, wow. this movie, you know, people are like, oh, I'm getting exhausted watching these superhero movies. Well, clearly you're alone because these things are yeah. going huge. Uh, yeah. you know, this, this, you know, that's, that's, that's huge. That's huge. Well, Carol was saying this morning that, that, you know, we were talking about it, um, at breakfast and, and that, um, you know, the opening may not have made enough money to pay for the production based on salaries and, and, you know, special effects and all that kind of stuff. But I guess now that they've hit this billion, num- billion mark they're clearly they've made, they've made it back. Right. Yeah. Well, they, the, apparently the budget was somewhere between 300 and 400 billion, uh, million dollars, million dollars, I should say. <laughs> 
Now that was that was just production costs, but um, the other thing to to bear in mind for that is that um, the marketing costs and some of that additional stuff would have been very high as well. Yeah, but then usually it's all those twice. all those costs are also not reflective of merchandising and all the other things that come into it. So they're going right. to end up breaking two billion dollars just at the box office off right. of spending probably five hundred and five hundred to six hundred million dollars all in on production and marketing and all that other stuff. Crazy. But then they're going to take in another however many hundreds of millions of dollars in merchandising, video game licensing, product licensing. So, I mean, Disney's printing money at this point, right? Like, Yeah, I'm just thinking about all those starving people in the real Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah, know, we were right. talking about Blade Runner 2049 um, probably a few episodes ago and how it, it didn't make back like, you know, that production cost. And then we said, oh, uh, even if it does break even on that, you still got the marketing cost. So mm-hmm. you, you take production cost, double it or triple it and, and somewhere in that range is where movies start to make really make money and with a such a big production cost for avengers you know they've they, it seems quite reasonable that they've met that you know if it, we just go 400 and triple all right so 1.2 billion is like they've broken even on that but unlike 2049 this has enormous merchandising yeah possibilities right you can get happy meal toys you're not going to get a, a happy meal toy of like jared leto uh and his character <laughs> in 2049 right <laughs> if no. they did did, I, I kind of want one. If they just, it's just saying, you know, if you, somebody's thinking about my next birthday, if they put out the Jared Leto as his weirder character from twenty uh, Blade Runner 2049. With the floating sensors and all that <laughs> yeah, stuff. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And the woman suspended. From, yeah, anyways, yeah. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. I'm not going to say it. Yep. Um. All right. So should we should we dive into the uh, spoilerific version? Yes, definitely. Lots to discuss. All right. Starting the timer now. Okay. So if you the way it works here, folks, is we're going to talk for ten minutes roughly, and you know the gloves are off. <laughs> you know, we're releasing the boys. They're going to say what they want to say, and then so if you haven't seen the movie yet, skip ahead ten minutes. This is your last warning. Starting now. Go. Can I go? I'll go. Yeah. Sure. Oh, so many good jokes. So many good lines. I'm amazed how funny this movie was. It was, it was such, you know, for something that was so dour and so serious and so, you know, blockbustery, this villain that they've been building towards and he's killing, kills Loki in the first five minutes of the friggin' movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like it kills Mm -hmm. Heimdall, beats the crap out of Hulk. Like it starts with a bang. And this movie sets this really ominous tone of like, okay, everything that we've been working towards is going to happen. But then Mm -hmm. they throw in the, the whole scene where Thor meets the Guardians is gut-bustingly funny. Mm-hmm. All these great lines, you know, uh, the the children of Thanos show up in New York and, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man is busting out the SpongeBob SquarePants jokes. I mean, there's just, it's 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 such a weird balancing act, but they somehow totally pulled it off. And the, mm-hmm. the pirate angel baby, the, the recurring joke of calling Rocket Raccoon a rabbit, like just <laughs> so many, you know, he's not a dude you're a dude this is a man like you know (laughs) it's like a pirate had a baby with an angel you know like there's just there's so many funny goofy good lines in here too uh and yeah like what stakes holy crap like to to start that movie they didn't even show you the like flickety flickety flick we're marvel look at us they were like marvel been here 10 years by the way thor's gonna get messed up and we're gonna see the hulk get the crap kicked out of him and oh they just killed loki and oh they just killed heimdall and wow they just dove right into it and showed you where this this whole thing was going and then then we dive into you know back to earth they invade new york spider-man crossed over with iron man crossed over with doctor strange like amazing stuff then they go into space you get thor crossed over with the guardians 
the galaxy. Then you end up, you know, this like huge action scene where they go to nowhere and you've got the Guardians versus Thanos. And then all these twists and turns, the you know, emotional stakes. They do the whole Gamora, uh, you know, goes to con- attack her dad and then she takes he takes her prisoner and then takes her to the planet. And then we get like the biggest uh, moment of the movie where Red Skull shows back up again. Yeah. You're like, what? And then you realize like not until after did I realize that wasn't even Hugo Weaving. That was Ross Marcon from Walking Dead doing his best Hugo Weaving impression. Right. Oh, interesting. Um, so like amazing. And then, yeah, so we get that scene and then boom, then the, there's Gamora. Gamora goes off the side of the cliff. She's gone. Thanos is crying and you're actually starting to feel even a little bad for him and you're like, what is happening here? This guy's doing a really good job of actually making me invest in that character who is a monster unquestionably. Like, so good. And then we get this huge kick-ass fight scene where Thanos has got four of the Infinity Stones and he has to face off against half the Guardians of the Galaxy and Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, this huge, like, throwdown fight on Titan, which is amazing. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you like that fight scene? How about we go to Wakanda? We have this huge blowout battle between the entire forces of Wakanda and these, like, giant alien monster dogs, uh, plus the, the children of Thanos. And then Thanos himself shows up, and then Thor shows up, and then we get ten different heroes trying to fight off Thanos. Like, this this was amazing. This was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the humor they work in really well because it's, it's overall a pretty depressing movie. Like, we're already into spoilers, but spoilers, it doesn't end very well for the heroes in this one. It ends like Empire Strikes Back, but without the uplifting ending. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. But with more hands? Less hands? Yeah. <laughs> Begloved yeah. hands. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, so I, I talked about in the pre-spoiler section of this that I compared it to, to Steppenwolf from Justice League, where at a very high level you have these two villains, they're both monsters, they're trying to acquire these, you know, magic MacGuffin that will make them powerful. Um, they end up succeeding in doing that. But I think the big difference is, and, and you touched on it a little bit with that discussion of Thanos and Gamora, that like Thanos isn't really like a mustache twirling villain the way that Steppenwolf was portrayed. Of like, oh, like why am I doing this? I don't know because I want to conquer. That's what I do. Yeah. Uh, here, Thanos is clearly the hero uh, in his own mind as well as within this story. Right? He has a very basic premise, which is there's overpopulation. Uh, I've seen it. You know, I've seen suffering on my own planet. The only way to deal with this is to have fewer people alive throughout the universe so that we right, will not right. starve, right? Finite resources. Yep. And he succeeds in that task. And they played it really well by showing the flashbacks to, um, to him taking over Gamora's planet and, and adopting her. And they do a callback to that after, you know, he um, does the magic uh, uh, snap of the fingers and, and half of all life is extinguished, which we'll come back to because I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on. <laughs> um, and he sees, you know, this like ethereal plane of like Gamora, like, oh, did you get what you wanted? Yeah. What did it cost you? And he says, everything. It cost right. him everything. So even though he's, you know, at the end, he's he's done what he said. He's snapped his fingers, extinguished half of all life. He is watching, you know, resting and watching the, uh, I can't remember if it was sunrise or sunset on his villa and, you know, probably cracking open a brewski and... <laughs> 
<laughs> relaxing, enjoying the breeze. It's it's kind of a sad ending, even for him, even though he got exactly what he wanted. Yep. And I think that's fantastic for a dude who should be just this brutal monster that you should hate. And I'm like, mm, I don't really hate the dude. I don't, I'm not rooting for him, but I'm like, mm, I'm not, I'm not really hating him. Yep. He's a much more fleshed out Bond villain. Just really has has a master plan, carries it out, and is just like, oh yeah, well I won. So here's a question, and I just thought about this this morning. How does this parallel the situation in the United States with you know our the gut the last guy you thought would be victorious ends up being victorious, right? Because I mean, in, in most tropes in 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 uh, monster or sorry superhero movies, the superhero wins, right? Somehow at the last minute they pull it off, or even if they you know they think they, the guy's dead, he comes back and has one more round at them. In this case here, like you said, he gathers all the things. In fact, you know, um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character at the end there um, just sort of says the only way to get through this was to, because again, he would have used his his time powers to sort of see all the, to play out all the scenarios to see which way, you know, the most of them could survive. And, you know, so his only play was to let Thanos have the last stone, right? Um, and then snap his fingers, like you said, right? Yeah. But how do you think this parallels what's going on, you know, with the last guy in the world you would think wins the day, wins the day. Yeah, it's funny. I never really put that prism on it, but yeah, I, I can see your point that it's it definitely has that. Uh, well, I don't know. It's <clears throat> hi, Mule. Forgive us if we compare your uh, <laughs> your beloved leader to uh, somebody who just Thanos. wiped out half the universe, right? Yeah, it, it goes weirdly political here, but, but I'll address it. So I can see some parallels there. And in, in, you know, you, you you don't think the outcome is going to turn a certain way. It does, and in both cases, the individual, you know, once they woke up the next day, might be like, oh, I don't know if I really wanted this. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe this wasn't all like, yeah. I thought it was. I, I I obsessed over it, and and now I have it, and I don't know. It's just not what I thought. Yeah, this is really a he, hard thing. He yeah. seems more at peace than uh, than your beloved leader. I think he seemed a little more at peace. Thanos did. Yeah, I mean the. The, the, the way around this, though, is that, you know, I mean, I, I have no idea how this is going to turn out in the next movie or whatever, but, you know, there's there's already the time stone. There's already talks of infinity. There's, you know, people who've been able to see into the future and stuff like that, right? Um, the I forget the Oriental guy that hangs out with, um, what's his new cap? What's, who's the... Wong. Yeah, but who's, who's the, the one? I'm having trouble remembering Benedict Cumberbatch's character. Doctor Strange. Captain, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. So, yeah, his, his counterpart, he goes back to guard the the temple or whatever it is the place where they keep all the good stuff right yes what's his what's his secret thing i forget what his sort of skill is uh, like are they both time guardians or yeah so they basically both are masters of the mystic arts and right. so wong is sworn to protect that uh they establish in the doctor strange movie that there are these different convergence points of earth right, uh, right. And that is one of them and he is there to protect it to make sure that uh the universe doesn't basically come under attack from mystic forces that could enter right, through he runs place. back to the thing at the, near the end of the movie and, and yeah. you know kind of leaves uh, yeah something know. tells me Wong will not play a big part in uh, Avengers part 4 no 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 that's true no but I, but it, something's got to happen I mean like you know I mean uh, in Wakanda um, uh, what's our chief's name he falls off the cliff too and he manages to survive somehow oh right? T'Challa yeah yeah but we I mean no we, we do see Gormora you know kind of splatter there at the bottom of the cliff but um, yeah in surprisingly um, gory fashion yeah and uh, very very reminiscent of um, Tomb Raider, but um, <laughs> uh, the you know it's, it's funny. I was thinking I don't know if I mentioned this last time we were talking about Tomb Raider, maybe on more than just code. But the thing that had my problem with Tomb Raider was just for a split second here was that she didn't die fifteen times throughout the movie, and then you got <laughs> reset and back to the last save point. You know, yeah, because that's what really playing Laura Croft is all about. Is like there's, there's several different ways you can 
have her killed off while you're trying to, you know, learn new skills, um, which is totally lifelike. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, so, uh, and uh, what's her name? Jillian, um, what's uh, Gomorrah's sister's name? Blue girl. Oh, uh, the, yeah. Well, uh, oh God, now you got me doing it. Nebula is the character. Karen Gillian. The actress's name. Sorry? Nebula. Karen, Karen Gillen. Yeah. Oh. Nebula. Yeah. Nebula. Nebula. Right? Karen Gillen. Yes. Yeah. So she, you think she's going to be sort of a king, a, a linchpin in the next movie in terms of recovering things and well, sending things back? Let me yeah. put it this way. Nebula is right. a very important character in the comic version of what happens next. Well, there you go. So, But, yeah, I, but if I could just bring us back to the movie for a second. Sure. Because we stayed till the very, very end, which I really don't understand how you can't stay till the very, very end of a Marvel movie anymore. And people were still leaving when we were there last week. I can't believe that, eh? Well, <laughs> they don't know. The very last scene sees Nick Fury and Maria Hill, uh, former agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., who are uh, reaching out to uh, use a pager at the very last moment before they disappear in a cloud of dust as... Okay, hold hold, hold that thought for one second. Okay, if you've stuck through with us for the 10 minutes, we need another three or four minutes. So go ahead, three, four, more, four minutes. Okay, go, John. Okay, so uh, yes, Nick Fury is his last dying act after Thanos has snapped his fingers and turned half the universe to a cloud of dust as nick fury starts crumbling to dust he presses the page button on a 1980s pager <laughs> and yeah. we see up on the screen the star of captain marvel mm-hmm. uh which is of course coming out before avengers 4 next year next Ooh. two movies are avengers uh, ant-man and the wasp and then captain marvel and then avengers and they've already established that captain marvel is going to take place in the past it is not set right. in the in the current timeline so we're going to get a little idea of who she is and then obviously she'll be there to fly into the rescue so we're going to get another major marvel character introduced uh, and a very powerful one at that in the next uh nine months so that's very exciting right. and a nice little little teaser for us so the 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 body count was pretty um shocking in this one we saw uh mm-hmm. lots and lots of deaths star lord gamora drax mantis groot dr strange spider-man uh black panther bucky uh you know so many characters that what we do still have alive are the original avengers strangely enough yeah. coincidentally they are going to have to get back together and solve their problems uh and uh rocket is still alive nebula is still right. alive and war machine is still alive which right. again is a strange one. and christopher pratt announced today that they're going to start filming um oh. guardians of the galaxy 3 yeah in next year so yeah i mean it, what to- Let's let's just be clear here, whether you're listening in on spoilers <laughs> or no spoilers, but if you think this is the end of the Marvel Universe, give your head a shake. This, yeah. this is comic books, kids. Comic books, no deaths are permanent. No deaths are permanent. They brought Bucky back. That was... Yeah. They killed off Bucky in the 1940s. They brought him back like 10 years ago. Like, no, no deaths are permanent. The only person who's still dead in the world of comic books that has always been dead is Uncle Ben. Like, Peter Parker's <laughs> Uncle Ben is the only guy who stayed dead all this time. Everybody else has come back. So, really? Whether you're mourning the loss of, you know, if you think they killed Spider-Man, again, give your head a shake. If you think they killed off Black Panther after it was the blockbuster movie prior to this one, you, again, yeah. you're out of your mind. All these characters are going to come back in some form or fashion. Uh, I think if we're going to see any permanent losses, it'll probably be in the next film, and it might come from the side of the people that actually ended up living this time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm kind of curious how folks 
react in, in the theater when uh, Spider-Man goes because it was very like that was probably the darkest one I think of all the people sort of yeah. turning into ash where he's I mean he's just a kid right and they sort of emphasize that not only in the previous you know Avengers movie where he came out and Spider-Man Homecoming they really tried to hammer it home here like hey like you're an Avenger but like you're, you're the kid sidekick you can't be here for this part you know I'm gonna send you away and, and he doesn't and he stays and ultimately he ends up you know, he ends up dying and he's very scared at the end yeah that's mm-hmm. a very emotional yeah. death scene mm-hmm. and and uh so the news came out today about you know this another very sad scene where rocket watches groot disappear in a cloud mm-hmm. of dust and groot as he fades away says i am groot and of course we don't speak groot so we don't know what he said but james gunn the director of the guardians of the galaxy movies announced today his final word was dad to rocket which is just heartbreaking yeah like, yeah so really i mean really emotional stuff um and so as we start winding out of spoilerville here we'll we'll do i, I want to do the the website so www.didthanoskill.me you can go mm-hmm. now you can take your chances you have a 50 50 chance to see if you survived the finger snap uh and find out if you were spared or in fact were turned into a cloud of ash right so i just tried it on on um safari let me try it on chrome so i survived on safari let me go to the chrome timeline <laughs> Try it over there. There we have a different cookie, right? And I was spared again. I was spared twice. Oh, well. Were you hoping to be reduced to a pile of ash, just to be clear? (laughs) Yeah. Are you disappointed? Me? Yeah. No, not so much. Not so much. All right. So we're out of the spoiler area here. Um, Did you want to say something about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. there, Jonathan? I do. And I'll do this in the most careful, non-spoilery way possible, just to say that some stories have leaked out that uh, on the Friday coming, so that would be what the eleventh. Am I right? Eleventh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, May eleventh. Apparently, there will be a a strong connection put forth of the events of Infinity War on the world of Agents of Shield. Really? They oh. did in the last episode reference uh, the last two episodes. As a matter of fact, they've referenced that there is something going on, and they've sort of alluded it, alluded to what's going on. Last episode, they actually mentioned Thanos by name. Right. And so now we're clearly headed towards if they're going to cross things over, they have to have the same consequences. So I don't know if anybody's still sticking with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I must admit I've been off and on this season just because yeah, I gave up. I, I, and I watched all the seasons previous. This season, when they moved it to Friday nights, I just lost track. I, my PVR was off and that was it. Yeah. Uh, but I am totally tuning in. I am totally tuning in to see how they tie that all together. And it makes me wonder, did they tie it into the Marvel Netflix universe too? That's a long window. That's a long window. Oh, really? Because they tied huh. in they tied in the original Attack on New York into those stories. That's true. They didn't, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you reference it unless because they use the reality stone, everybody was killed and then everybody immediately came back and nobody remembers. And maybe we'll get that huh. next year. But I, I don't know. I don't know if they address that at all because we're close to seeing Luke Cage season two drop. I don't know if it would be impacting there. They haven't really gotten into, they said that we're going to get another season of Jessica Jones. We're going to get another season of the punisher uh mm-hmm. we're getting another season of daredevil uh i i don't know if they've announced another season of iron fist yet i must admit i'm not keeping track <laughs> but i wonder if they will continue that branch that way too uh to see if this is going to be a year-long waiting game and, and how that ties hmm. together hmm. yeah the i guess this could have been one of my watch list picks but the trailer for season two of um a luke cage, luke today, cage. 
Yeah, it just dropped today. I didn't see anything from the trailer itself that hinted at any no. crossover stuff. So there's there's still a lot of time period where that could take place before Infinity War. Yeah, um, and, and to be fair, the the way they addressed the the uh, attack on New York and the Avengers, they only ever call it the incident, right? Uh, right. You know, Ben Yurk's got it on his wall of his office in Daredevil. They refer a few times to New York being traumatized by the incident, but they really don't get into too much of it. They they try and keep it a much more grounded place. So. I don't know if this is going to be another one of those things where like, remember that thing last year? You know, and yeah, I, I don't know how, how well they get into it in that universe because of the timeliness, whether or not it fits into that timeline. I don't know. I don't know. It seems like it would be really hard to do, but then I'm, I was shocked, shocked to find out that they were tying the events of Infinity War to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. considering they, they did that for Winter Soldier and that was amazing. Like that was a, such a, such a cool twist in the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to have it tied directly the week of, uh, if you went and saw that movie on Friday night, on Monday you came and you tuned in and there was like the instant ramifications to that tv universe that was very cool um to see if they can do this right that's really cool too although the other little weird hinge on this is we're down to the last like three episodes of agents of shield for the season and it may not come back for season six so unless disney knows something we don't like they're supposed to announce the i want to say beginning of next week i think they do their uh their decisions on what they're going to renew and bring back so maybe they have already made that decision and this is part of that but that that's a, Meaning they all just disappear? Well, yeah. I mean, it's fifty. It's fifty percent <laughs> of the universe. But as we've seen with some of the, you know, uh, again, I don't want to get too far into Spoilerville, but that you know, some characters have suffered unusual fates, and some entire teams have suffered unusual fates as a result of what happens in uh, Infinity War. So, right, pretty con- pretty convenient. All right. So, shall we move on to Jaime Lopez um, spoiler uh, version review of Twenty Forty Nine, which nobody cares about because everybody's seen it already. <laughs> 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 so why don't you tell us what you think about 2049 maybe i thought it was a masterpiece it's probably like the short version um it's a great movie i think it really holds up rather well as, as you guys mentioned to the uh, blade runner original uh, it feels like a natural extension of that even though it was you know filmed many many decades later um with that said, how, how do you think it stands as a standalone movie like what would you think if, if you had never seen the other movie well your girlfriend hadn't seen it right right but we did watch it before so uh, so we could catch up. Um, I think it stands alone okay. Like if you if you know more, you get more out of it. But I think they explain enough in the what is it like two hours forty five to, to sort of get you. All right, here's this dude. He's got this job. He wants to find this other guy. Okay, he finds that guy who had the job before. He's important for reasons that might be like the the full consequences might be a little lost if you haven't seen the original or at least have a vague familiarity with what went on in the original. I don't think it's too bad. I think you could sort of fill in the gaps with your own imagination there um so yeah I, think, I like the way they portrayed the 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 earth have having gone through this you know like humans have totally devastated the whole ecosphere and now you've got this really strange you know snowing in los angeles and you know nobody can breathe the air and so on and so forth right yeah and they have this this whole like non-traditional form of farming that they use and it's it's very clear they need to get off the earth and that's a the big premise for uh jared leto's wallace character of like we need to manufacture more of these replicants so that we can uh push out and and have humanity survive uh, away from earth um right. i i do think it was it was very similar in like a way it had like a lot of uh like 80s paced establishing shots right like beautiful shots
shots of the vistas that they were they were going through um and so i feel as though it's it's a little bit ponderous at times but it makes sense if you if you if you like the original if you watch the original it feels very similar it's it's not like oh wow wham bam shoot them up sort of thing it's quite the opposite of that right it's a very much a, a character's movie there isn't like a enormous gun battle and and, and people doing backflips and stuff it's it's a little bit more low-key and in sort of more of an intimate movie which i like because I, I think the original blade runner is kind of like that too um, did you watch it on a big enough screen i mean we saw both of these on our own home screens yeah so it wasn't the same as a theater um i don't know that it really lost a ton from there i mean clearly are you know beautiful as we talked about uh, many moons ago on this show yeah uh, like real sets that they built and i think yeah. this movie just like the original blade runner will hold up really really well it won't suffer from the cgi effect that a lot of modern movies uh, end up with yeah. so that's yeah. nice to look forward to um it is, I, it is I, gonna I be funny though that in the end that movie is probably going to be exactly what its predecessor was i think it's going to age incredibly well i think it's going to be one of those ones that people point to and go this is this is a moment in science fiction where you know again a visionary like denny archon doing this or denny villeneuve jesus i did it again denny villeneuve doing these movies you know we're going to look back at this and be like wow what a great movie again it won two academy awards for visual effects and for cinematography it is a beautiful movie uh i think it's going to have a lot of legs but in the same way it was it was not a success it's still 87 percent on rotten tomatoes critics loved it uh you know it got a lot of uh, it has a lot going for it but it didn't make any money and yet i think you know 30 years from now people will still be talking about this movie in a way that they talk about blade runner in that sort of weird cult classic-y kind of way it has that same kind of feel it i mean we talked about it months ago but you know the way that movie is paced the way it feels the the slow burn of it is just it's so uncommon now for movies that have to hit the ground we talked about it avengers you know avengers hits the ground running like just running to get in as much information as possible in 245 this movie takes its time to get through that like it's it's a slow burn of a movie but it's amazing because you never see that anymore in a science fiction movie ever right yeah i i think the big part for me was you know having watched about half of it i was like wait does harrison Ford even show up in this movie was this like a troll in, <laughs> in the in the trailer because this dude is not here yeah <laughs> um and he's obviously a very critical part of the movie a very big part of the movie when i went back and looked at the time um but it takes a while they don't just jump into it. hey i'm harrison ford you know i'm deckard good to see you kid all right let's go off an adventure uh, it's quite a different movie from that well even the interpersonal relationships i thought were really fascinating in, in this film i mean you got the the replicant crazy woman and you've got uh, uh robin wright's character as as um um what's his name w or what's his his, <laughs> Q, his name's right? k. k ryan gosling is k and she's yeah. the lieutenant yeah lieutenant as his boss and you know um how she plays him and and that kind of stuff right and and of course the jared leto character is just he's off the hook right yeah as usual he was in a different movie entirely that dude yeah yeah for, well, as usual right <laughs> yeah. he's always in a different movie yeah um you know and uh and you know and k is just so calm throughout the whole thing i mean like you know yeah. he has to be a replicant because he's just like yeah. never really flies off the handle kind of thing right no mm. but he he plays that with such a slow burn too where you know yeah. his relationship with his his uh 
what a virtual reality girlfriend like it's there's a lot going on like he really plays that really a really interesting character because he's got some depth to him you can tell he's a replicant but then he's got this emotion brewing he's got this conflict again when he starts sort of unraveling he's not sure about who he is and his identity is in question like he plays that really subtly but really 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 interestingly yeah lots of easter eggs for if you've like i think i talked about it last time we talked about the show but you know hooks and music but there's a lot of um shots back to uh the original movie like the like the the uncanniness of Mackenzie uh, uh davis looking like um you know, press you know oh yeah looking like yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah yeah just you know you glance at her glance at her quickly and you're like oh my god it's the same person almost <laughs> in fact i thought it was when i saw one of the trailers i went what and i went back and watched it again just to make sure right yeah you know so it's lots of interesting interesting interplay you know i i think uh i've watched it a couple of times now i have the disc but i haven't actually sat down and watched all the way through again but still it's like you know i'm saving that for later but yeah, yeah it's again good. it's good Do they have director's commentary for uh, I, I tried looking this up but surprisingly wasn't that easy to find is there like what was the the reason behind using peter and the wolf as the theme for for joy oh, i don't know i haven't i haven't actually gone through the director's commentary it's funny I don't, I don't really do that very much anymore um i used to do that all the time with movies um but you're right i should go back and do that in, in this particular case but it's funny i was, I was gonna I was thinking about that the other day with netflix that's the one thing about netflix is you get to watch the movie but you don't get to watch the director's commentary with netflix or am i no. wrong no no you don't yeah so because that's always an interesting thing like you know especially when you you like <laughs> like the mel brooks one of uh of uh blazing saddles isn't it halfway through the movie he goes well that's it that's all i've got to say and then he walks out right yeah there, but, there are some all-time classic ones that my personal favorite is uh ben affleck doing armageddon uh because really because he is unquestionably hammered while he's doing it he's really he's, so, <laughs> <nice>. so clearly <laughs> been drinking he's like listen listen to what bruce willis says to me here listen, listen to what he says here like, he is just hose it is so funny you can wow. you can watch it on youtube <laughs> it's so funny uh some of the kevin smith ones too where they just they're just tearing their own movies to pieces are also classics and and arnold schwarzenegger doing any of arnold <laughs> schwarzenegger's movies is priceless because all he does is describe what he's doing in the scenes he's in at that moment okay so what i'm doing listen, here walking across the room you know, and yeah what i'm doing here is i've got a gun and i'm pointing it at this guy and i'm gonna try and get the information from him and then look he gets scared and he gives me the information i'm like yeah th- th- thanks for the recap arnold i can watch the movie yeah maybe he thought he was going in for the um <laughs> close the track for the visually impaired <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> describing what's happening in the scene for you i'd like it if he did that for movies he wasn't in okay so what happens here is sylvester stallone is doing something with his boxing gloves <laughs> he's running up the steps like a pansy he's so, so tired going up it's not that many steps <laughs> Yeah. All right. You too. So I, I, my homework, I guess, is to watch the director's commentary of 2049 and report back to you. Yes. I mean, or, or or if you guys know it, like I looked online, I found tons of fan theories. I didn't see anything explicit from, oh, the director says this, what that meant. What did the fans say? That, that What was their theory? There are so many fan theories. They all seem to coalesce on the same thing of um, the the characters themselves mapping to the various characters, so the characters of the film mapping to various characters within oh. uh, Peter and the Wolf. Uh, I couldn't see any agreement as to which characters were which. Uh, right, certainly right. not for all, not for all seven. Um, but but maybe that's like the completely wrong thing. Maybe that's a superficial thing, and maybe the director had something even deeper than that. Um, yeah, yeah, I just thought it was a very interesting choice because it was a very easy to recognize tone. They didn't make up a fake one for uh, for that. Like I couldn't even tell you what the the ringtone sound was for the movie Her. I'm sure they had one. They probably used it a lot. 
Hmm. But it's not as memorable as uh, Peter and the Wolf. Right, right. Yeah. It just reminded me of something um, from May the 4th, which just went by. Uh, Star Wars. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw saw this, Jonathan, but on, on Q, they, they posted a video that somebody had made, uh, a fan fiction, where they, they'd taken the, the footage from uh, A New Hope and they had rewritten the scroller and everything like that to be sung to the to the tune oh, of the, the songs of the Beatles yeah of uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band <laughs> yeah. so it's it's like uh, Princess Leia's Princess Leia's stolen Star Wars or Death Star plans you know yeah yeah elicit help from your friends and stuff like that so, yeah. <laughs> so I can I can never I can no longer listen to that album and watch this movie again yeah. you know without that so yeah I'll put a link in the show notes for that so that's pretty good it's that's that's topped uh, Dark Side of the Moon and uh, and Wizard of Oz that's now the yeah no it's akin to that akin to that yeah so apparently I've only watched the first two songs of the album but apparently they they've gone through the whole movie and done um it basically re reshot and and re you know revocalized using the the tunes from and the you know like the the opening you know Sergeant Pepper's Land is Princess Leia's you know stolen Deathwork plans and and you know the interrogation that Darth Vader does when he lands on the ship and you know you know I want the plans in my glove and all that kind of stuff yeah it's, it's pretty funny nice nice speaking of mapping things to uh, other things which is what which is what uh, i mean just remind me of when he said that anywho should we move on yes all righty then so let's should we get into the watch list the watch list okay so i'm gonna skip this first one because i don't even i put the prospect down but i can't remember why i put the prospect down i think i might have been a moment of because uh, i've gone back and watched the, the trailer just today and i can't i mean it's a look interesting looking sci-fi movie ah i don't know <laughs> uh nobody in it but anyway so just the other day so i and jaime was asking me earlier today i appeared on the uh, friend of the show g mcdonald has a, a podcast called Sestracast, which uh, circles around orphan black and so i was on that the other day substituting for her guest host talking about one of the episodes that because uh, i watched all of all of orphan black it's filmed around in our neighborhood and stuff like that so and Jean's a big fan um but she has published what i thought was really interesting her favorite star trek is voyager right and so she's published a uh, basically it's a google doc and she explains it in her blog uh, called the star trek voyager viewer a viewer's guide and she rates all of the episodes based on whether you could, should watch it whether you can skip it or you know whether it's an optional thing um and if you click on the document that's there the google doc um you can see that she's you know she's given a sort of a, like a one-liner sort of a one sentence sort of synopsis of what the show is about and then you know should you watch it should you skip it or just don't watch it at all so uh, interesting interesting perspective and of course there's a blog post there which explains how to use it so she's talks you know the imd imdb rating you know uh, who the character focuses for each show um you know and then what broadcast what, what when it would broadcast and that kind of stuff and all the way through the entire series so i don't know if you guys had a chance to look at this or even scan through it yeah it's, it's interesting yeah so the first two that i went to are um actually let me look up the legend again to make sure i'm doing this correctly do do, do s is skip okay that's what i need yeah. to know okay so of course my mind immediately went to threshold so i searched for that in the google doc it gets a resounding no which i feel like i've come around on that one and it's sort of a <laughs> so bad it's good sort of thing so i'd love to talk to her about that one but her description is uh, paris and janeway turned into lizards your regret will have no bounds if you watch this <laughs> single worst episode of the franchise is a quote from uh, at j gamut um the one i feel is uh which episode was that? It, thresholds threshold it is episode 15 of season two. Oh, okay the one i thought was interesting also would like to talk with her about is uh tuvix which is just a little bit down at oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, oh my god it says it gets a skip which is interesting 
interesting. It says, good guest actor playing a melding of Tuvox and Neelix. Interesting premise. People hate this one, but not me. Yeah. Hmm. She she may be alone on that front. Yeah, that's, that's the one where they have a transporter accident, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I think she nailed it on Sacred Ground. Kess episode. Religious kerfuffle that Jamie must sort. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Bizarre Kim episode. Do not watch or you'll be sorry. <laughs> Mortal Coil. Neelix thinks he's dying. Nope. <laughs> these, these descriptions are so glib. I love these. Uh-huh. We'll have to get her on for her disco uh, thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Oh, okay. Here we go. End game gets uh, both parts of it get yes. So it's the series finale. It's like, you watch this far and you would skip the series finale? Don't be illogical. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Is that the two parter where Janeway comes back from the future? Right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. In all its low res glory. Yeah. Standard death. Glorious. What else you got, Tim? Oh, yes. And of course, she, I think friends of her do a show called Random Trek. And, and you can see they randomly, they spin the dial on um, uh, a show and then they talk about, like they spin the dial and they pick a show. And so if you're a guest on that show, they have you watch a particular episode and talk about it or not talk about it kind of thing. Sort of, so that you can see the listing here of the Random Trek episodes that have covered these particular episodes. So hmm. And it's about, it's about it's Random Trek throughout the entire um, spectrum of, of uh, Star Trek, including Disco. So that was my first pick, uh, Gene McDonald. McDonald's viewer's guide to Voyager. Um, my second one is we were so in the last episode we were talking about uh, Muppets and um, so Frank Oz and company have put together this uh, great documentary and it's sold through this website called MuppetGuysTalking.com and I think it's like $10 or $15 US. Totally worth it if you're into Muppets of any kind whether you're a Sesame Street fan, uh, Fraggle Rock, um, you know, the Muppet show of of any genre. These are the original people that uh, were the Muppeteers, and they talk about Jim Henson as well in, in the show, but, you know, like Frank Oz, who does Miss Piggy, and, um, you know, uh, who else does he do? Burt Grover. Uh, yeah, um, Fozzie Bear. Yeah. Um, and as well, they also talk about the characters that, that Jim Henson did, like Rolf the Dog, and Ernie, and, and they talk about Bert and Ernie and their relationship and how they sort of came to be. Um, so it's Frank Oz, Jerry Nelson, who uh, unfortunately passed passed away just after the making of this. Fran Brill, so it's Muppet Guys talking about Fran Brill is not a guy, she's a gal. Um, so she did a lot of uh, female characters on Sesame Street initially. I think she does the voice of, what's the blonde girl in the band? Janice. Janice. She does Janice's voice as well. Um, David uh, Goltz and uh, Bill Beretta, who, uh, and they talk about, you know, the characters they do, like one one of these two guys does Rizzo the Rat and uh, you know, Gonzo, and they talk about the genesis of each character and, and they go through them. So they talk in group, like like this, you know, five of them sitting around a ca- at a couch talking about it, but then they take them off individually and they each have a little, uh, little vignette. So it's a great, great uh, video if you're, like I said, if you're a Muppet fan of any type, um, definitely check out this, uh, check out this um, film. It's only available through the website and it's uh, streamed directly to your device. And they give you, I think it's two prizes. One, you can stream it and one, you can download it. But yeah, so it's a real good job. So Jaime, do you have something on your watch list? Yes. Since we have the, uh, you know, 10th-ish anniversary of the Marvel movie starting and since we just had an Avengers film you know in general that we just talked about um, this is Lessons from the Screenplay a really good YouTube series I highly recommend it they have so many uh, he has uh, so many good examples of, of you know how things are broken down for uh, creating films and in this case he addresses a um, a criticism that's been brought about the Marvel films that they tend to follow a specific pattern uh, specifically the beginning of its claims that there is a three act pattern and he takes a 
look at the Avengers and says, well, okay, superficially, yes, but there's really, spoilers, uh, there's really a five-act structure mm-hmm. there. And he breaks up how that sort of transitions from a, tr- you know, tr- traditional three-act structure to traditional slash modern take on the five-act structure. Uh, in this case, with the original, what is it, like 2012, I think, uh, Avengers film, uh, where the Avengers first came together. I, th- I think it's really good. It's like a 14, 15-minute video, so you can do it while uh, eating breakfast or having a cup of coffee or something. I find it very entertaining, and it's quite timely because of uh, Avengers Infinity War. All right, cool. So, Jonathan, do you have something on your watch list? I do. So, uh, this will have aired probably by the time you're hearing this, but you can, I'm sure, find this on Hulu or uh, uh, finding it online, abc.com. The Goldbergs, still one of my favorite shows, uh, a very consistently funny uh, program, uh, very family-friendly, watch it with my kids. Uh, The Goldbergs is doing a tribute to Mel Brooks and Spaceballs uh, in their episode this week coming out on, I believe, the 9th of May. And uh, as part of this, uh, apparently Adam, the lead character, is going to have a dream wherein he interacts with uh, some of the characters from Spaceballs, including Dark Helmet, played by Rick Moranis. And Mm -hmm. they have actually gotten Adam Goldberg, the creator of the show, has actually gotten Rick Moranis to do a voiceover piece with Rick Moranis as Dark Helmet. Now, for those who Mm. don't know, Rick Moranis has been retired from performing for several years now. Uh, He no longer does appearances. He no longer does movies. He has not worked in quite a long time. His appearances are very, 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 very uncommon. So to have him come back and have him come back and do such an iconic, hilarious, one of the funniest, funniest movies from the 1980s uh, to come back and do that, I am dying to watch this episode. I watch it every week anyways, but this is all Hmm. more incentive to go and watch this week's episode of The Goldbergs. Rick Moranis, uh, yeah, coming back as Dark Helmet, apparently doing a dream sequence with uh, with Adam as Dark Helmet. So that's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And also, if you're not watching Westworld, you really need to watch Westworld. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and yeah, I'll have to get back. And, and apparently, yeah, the uh, Silicon Valley's back already as well. So Silicon Valley. And, and I will high re- highly recommend, it's not science fiction, but it is very good television. Um, Bill Hader's new show, Barry, on HBO Sunday nights. Uh, oh, really? Is hmm. totally worth a watch. It's only going to be eight episodes, and I think episode seven was just last night. So it's going to be all all wrapped up and available for you to watch but it's uh it's kind of a dark comedy uh very yeah. black comedy um but yeah so so very interesting what they've done with it it's about a hitman who decides to give up being a hitman and become an actor uh, right right and it's uh it's you've said too much yeah it's good it's again it's it's that's all on front street that's the like episode one so sure. yeah but it's where it goes from and there I mentioned, yeah and i mentioned peaky blinders you definitely should watch peaky blinders anyway so let's uh, let's wrap up the show we can chat with more in the after show cool um yeah so uh hey hi mate people want to get a hold of you on the interwebs where so i guess yeah this will be it for a while we'll be back you know sometime in the future depending on which next big blockbuster movies out How about or, star wars if, a solo story that's more about lando well no so I'm, i've got my ticket to see, see the new lando movie <laughs> yeah. so i'm going going by myself because you apparently don't want to go uh yeah actually uh, i was gonna tell you I, I probably do have to go because if i'm gonna write for this uh, uh website i probably need to oh well i've already bought my ticket movies, so, so yeah yeah did you want me to see if i can get the ticket next to me um it's at at uh, the um the one downtown um well we'll work that out on the after show too yeah all right okay <laughs> so uh but i definitely am gonna go anyway um yeah so hi mate if people want to get a hold of you on the interwebs where would they look i'm on twitter as at dev with a hair all right and jonathan if people want to find you anywhere out there uh i am on uh twitter and on instagram as at jpk news 
All right. And uh, I am everywhere as Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, mostly on Twitter. That's the way to get a hold of me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 That concludes another episode of SpotCast, streamed to you via subspace signal. I'm friend of the show, Greg Keo, joining you from Sector 001. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpotCast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with your Star Trek nerd hosts on the website or follow them on Twitter. They're at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send them a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending it to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount of gold press latinum at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help them out on the website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Wishing you peace and long life. Oh, there we go. Hello. Quiet. Um, Do you get the reference? Here I am. Uh, No. HK. No, it's a line from Brazil. Brazil. Sorry. You can do the whole movie for us? That'd be pretty impressive. Sure. Yeah. Mr. Lowry. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Lowry. Lowest rated podcast ever done. Tim does (laughs) a live rendition of Brazil. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You just can't do the the Ray Park part at the beginning. Well, Carol and I saw that in the theater. We we got in late, so we missed the, the Ray Park part at the very beginning. I think it was snowing or something, and we had some delay getting there. Sadly, the best part of the movie, we missed it. If only you had 12 copies on different formats of media. Oh, right. Yeah, I could watch it that way, couldn't I? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many different discs would you say you had? Uh, VHS? Uh, had or had? Oh, have you disposed of some? No, no, no. Have them all. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I ever had it on VHS. I may have, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I got the special three disc or five disc, whatever version. It was like a bazillion dollars. I think I bought it at H&V and they, they put the wrong price on it, so I got it for way cheaper than it's actually worth. Nice. Um, I believe you were with me at the time. That's why, they're, of course, they're bankrupt now. Yeah, and then so that, and then, they, then it came out on DVD again, just the movie by itself, just the, like the single movie. Because mm-hmm. uh, the, the, um, the special edition I had was, it was it was sort of recut by like loosely that just sort of chopped up and put together in the format and the way apparently that the studio wanted to do the movie which is a happy ending and all that oh, yeah, stuff yeah. And, you know people not not quite blowing up as as viciously as they do in the actual final cut <laughs> and then um and an interview with terry gilliam which is a very strange one because it was the whole time the entire screen is black while you're listening to him have a phone call with somebody about how horrible the studio was nice and then um so then i have it on i think i have i'm sure i have it on blu-ray now yeah and and I don't know if it's a Criterion one or not, but um, yeah. So I have I have several copies of it. Yeah, and I've seen it a thousand times. So we're talking about um, the movie Brazil, Jaime, by Terry Gilliam. Sure. If you know I'm anything about Terry Gilliam, it, he spent he spent all the time making Jabberwocky and all the other movies he made were just so he could make Brazil. Like he wanted that was original, his original intention. So or that's the story, right? So that was I think his third movie.
Well, remember there was a whole deep fake thing? Well, I guess it's still going around, but yeah. it's it's harder to get yeah. to because they shut down the subreddit where you could put like celebrities' faces on other people's bodies. Yeah. And people okay, did so. the, the same thing that uh, they did for Henry Cavill in Justice League where they, you know, removed his mustache, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, production company, but then people used deep fake to do that. People were... So did we talk about this on More Than Just Code? Because I, I maybe the same link that I put here on the thing? I, I you feel like we might have talked about it in the whatever episode let me look at the notes i thought we talked about it on podcast yeah. as being part of the early um cell phone video portion. yeah well because i literally put these on the, the first three links on on the notes here i put um yeah i put them uh because the Esteban one, I know I put that one for sure, like right after we recorded uh, 2025. 20, well, that would have been like two and a half months ago. Yeah. So what's this one about? That's what I'm looking at them now going, why did I put this up here? Yeah, the deep fake one is interesting because apparently it's now spread to some weird places on the dark net where they're doing like uh, adult videos with deep fake. Are they? Yeah. Oh, uh, I wow. listened to a podcast a while ago and they were talking about that saying, yeah, apparently they're like so good at it now that they can put like famous people but that was that was on. the whole point that's why we got banned because that was the story back then too right? yeah so, yeah that's that's crazy okay do you have you have a link or you put the link here about um anson mount right joining the with the talkie role yep. okay cool um thanos by the way i was spared by thanos i also was spared hi may have you have you rolled the dice i thought we could do that one live Wait, and see no, how we, we should do that we should do it live yeah we oh, that's it interesting because i was spared too oh wow does it always oh. say spared <laughs> does it say anything different if i refresh so, Wait, so thanos is a spoiler spoilers spoilers thanos is a fan Thanos is a fan. That's true. Uh, I'm hitting refresh and it doesn't give me anything different. Let me try doing a. So I don't know if you know, but they had the the, the stars of all of the of, of Avengers on Jimmy Kimmel Live. I think they had like four nights or five nights, and they had like five of them at a time talking about their role in the film and all that stuff. And and uh, oh, what's his name now? Chris Helmsworth, who plays Thor. At the end of it, um, Jimmy Kimmel says, "What do you, what do you, what do you guys think about the next movie?" And and he says, "Some of us are excited about it." <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, all right. Let's roll the show, shall we? How do we start this one? Uh, this is Spotcast, did, right? Did we did we rename the show? I noticed that uh, our social media presence seemed to indicate there was a new title. Well, yeah, uh, that was me having fun with uh, with the uh, paradigm of people not paying attention to Spotcast. Or it's more than just Spotcast, isn't it? Or more is it more than more than just Star Trek? More than just Trek? I don't know. Yeah, because I just wanted people to understand that we are we are we're we're, we're larger than that. Uh, more than yeah, more than just Star Trek podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's the more than just yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's funny. You know, in university, we I started up a group of like-minded individuals. You know, artists and painters and actors and um, and dancers and whatever. And we were called just people. I, I didn't even think about that until. And the idea was, you know, we were like, you know, twenty-year-old, not you know, people thinking we're better than everybody else, not better than everybody else. But we were, we were we were trying to like fight for justice and stuff like that, and you know, fairness and women's rights and stuff like that. And but but by the same token, though, we were only people, just people, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so the just word has been haunting me for years there you go righty yeah i messaged you the other day but you didn't get back to me i so. know i was trying to uh we, we had a very long power outage here uh as a result of that rather oh, epic that. storm we were without power for a good uh about 10 hours so and uh. so i was a little little behind on my priorities and then by then i was like oh well fuck it you probably bought tickets already and then i saw it today you were like oh i bought a ticket today i was like oh damn it i should have just gotten back did you notice my little photoshop thing that i made up yes lando a star wars story yes <laughs> I'm, I'm down yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I i'm still i'm I'm still not all in on that movie. I'm, I I I really enjoyed uh, Donald Glover on Saturday Night Live, yeah. especially the Lando 
bit that they did that made me laugh. The, yeah. the gathering of the four black people in the entire uh, universe, Star Wars universe. universe. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah. That was very funny. Um, and again, I'm I'm sure the supporting cast are going to be great. I, I'm I, I'm still not sold on this dude, and I I kind of want to see some of the reactions. I I, I know yeah. I'm going to see it, and I know I'm going to see it. I just I kind of want to make a protest statement of you know we don't need this. It's so funny that people got so rankled over the prequel movies, but they keep making prequel movies, and and yeah. these are still just prequel movies like if they were telling me an original story about stuff that i didn't already know was the legend of han solo i'd feel better if they were like you've never seen we've never talked about this before it's a whole new adventure they're trying to sell the commercial to me by oh my god chewbacca's gonna die no 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 chewbacca's not gonna die han solo's not gonna die lando's not gonna die everybody else is up for grabs woody harrelson's surely going to die i i just i i I don't know i think the prequel thing is just i don't get it i don't get it like tell me a boba fett story tell me something i've never seen before show me him crawling out of the sarlacc pit raising his middle finger and going off on an adventure like do do me something different so here's the deal uh, friday may 25th at 7 45 p.m at the scotia bank theater the seat next to mine in road j is still available <sighs> yeah but <laughs> <laughs> huh? But then, what about my son? What about your son? <laughs> I, I can get I can get the next shot, next one over. Can he get his, his sorry ass into the city in that time? Yeah, that's probably have to. I would have to uh, figure out how to yeah. get him there. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Let me see. Let me see. What day is it? Twenty fifth. Yeah. So this is the third row from the back. They're still available. Uh, row J. Yeah. I will. I will tell you by tomorrow. All right. Well, hopefully the sick seats will still be there. Well, if not, we'll have to rough it out here in the suburbs with our IMAX <laughs> screen. Well, this is IMAX too. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, IMAX 3D, actually. IMAX 3. See, no, you're IMAX taking 2. a stand, too, even though you would admit it. You're taking a stand by not going on the Thursday night. You're taking the chance. That- no, no, because you took too long to get back to me. Now the only seats are like nosebleeds, and I don't want to sit that close <laughs> to it. I, I remember staring at the nose hair in Jodie Foster's face on Contact, even though I loved the movie. Oh, you know. Bite your tongue. That movie is awful. I did like that movie. Oh. I thought it was a great movie. Oh. Well, I like the story. Okay, I like the story. How about that? How about Does the that ending? Count? How about the worst ending in science fiction in the last 25 no, years no no oh my no. god the, the devil movie. didn't make her do it oh, come on good like, god that movie is terrible what was event horizon could have been such a great movie <laughs> okay all right all right yeah. all right so let's not go into event horizon shall we event horizon was a great movie up until the part where the devil or god or somebody came in and caused all the ruckus you know because yeah. man shouldn't travel to the stars or some stupid thing like that <laughs> the devil made me do it yeah Tim, maybe you can explain uh, a little bit of hockey to me. Um, a little bit? Okay. Most specifically, what's with the licking thing? <laughs> but, and why? <laughs> One, I, I kind of get why the guy is doing it. It's a, you know, a game thing guy, in their head. Yeah, yeah. Why can't the league stop it? Like, you would never see this in the NBA or the NFL. Like, that sort of thing could be stopped the next game. Well, it seems to have gone on. I, I didn't hear about it, but apparently he's kissed other players too. Uh, yes. Yes. He's, he's had, he's an agitator, this player. Player. Yeah, uh, yeah. He has in the past done a lot of different things to get under players' skins. Because mm-hmm. again, if you if somebody gives you a smooch on the cheek in the middle of a hockey scrum where they're threatening you and calling you names and everything, and they slug you, then they look like a jerk and a homophobe. So he's he's doing it to really get under people's skin. But mm-hmm. uh, it's really escalated in this playoffs where he's been caught multiple times when people are in his face and saying you're a dirty little sob. Uh, they've uh, he's responded by licking their face. He licked one of the Maple Leafs in the first round as well. 
and mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. didn't do anything at that point. They were just like, well, yeah, he probably shouldn't be doing it. This time, he licked a player, and uh, the NHL finally stepped in, and the uh, vice president responsible for discipline said, if you do that again, we're going to have to uh, fine and or suspend you. Mm-hmm. Because as one of the players from the team that he licked said, what is the difference between having someone spit in your face and having somebody lick the side of your face? Right, right, right. Well, I mean, not, yeah. not, notwithstanding the fact that he's passing bodily fluid, right? Which, yeah, you know. So I don't understand why they couldn't squelch. I mean, it seems trivial to squelch. Uh, and again, I don't know, like, collective bargaining agreements. It'd be like, all right, anybody, hint, hint, who licks another player's face, guess what? That's a 10-minute penalty power well, that, play. Well, that'll be, it'll, be, it'll be a ruling. Like, they'll they'll like, change like the rule. Like, it should have been unsportsmanlike conduct. Like, there is a rule yeah. there that basically says anything you do that is detrimental to the spirit of sportsmanship within the game is a, is a penalty. So they, yeah. they could have done that. But the thing is, he does it. It's not like he, like, you know, breaks out, like, a, a dog slobber lick on somebody's face. He does it very subtly while no one's looking in the middle of a fight. Mm-hmm. So the, the referees aren't looking for somebody to be licking. They're looking for somebody to be throwing a punch. So mm-hmm. he got away with it the first time. They should have nipped it in the bud, but they didn't because they didn't want to make a big deal out of it and look like they're the no fun league where like, oh, this guy just did something goofy. But when he did it the second time, they were like, okay, now this is becoming a problem and we got to actually step up. But the reason they shouldn't have done anything and that they had to do something and it's disgraceful is now every American Twitter feed and website I've been to the last day was like NHL licking league. Like, yeah, they made a mountain out of it. And now everybody's like, what a stupid league. Why are they licking each other? <laughs> so that has nothing to do with hockey. Huh? I mean, just to answer your question, right? Also, they take us out of school as Canadian kids and teach us how to lick each other's faces as distracting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there, <laughs> there is the whole, the whole uh, getting in people's face. And, you know, like there was a guy who got a penalty or got in trouble for waving his arms in front of Martin Brodeur in a playoff game at one, a couple of years ago, right? Oh, yeah, it was jumping up and down. Uh, Avery, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Avery. Um, but, I mean, the whole the whole idea is like, like you know, it's one of these things like like people have always wondered about why players hit other players. Like, I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean like walk by and just tap them on the... with, their, with I mean, they, they take their entire body and slam the other guy up against the boards, right? That's always been part of, of professional hockey or, or, you know, top league hockey. The idea is to try and intimidate and or wound the other players like that's that's ultimately what it's all about like you know if you're not focused and paying attention to what you're doing with the puck and keeping your head up and watching what's going on around around you players will take a run at you right and uh that's you know that's you know it's part of part of the game as as it were but you know in in all the hockey that i've ever played i've always played in non-contact leagues where basically you don't do that kind of stuff but i mean they have kids doing it as young as you know nine and ten in some leagues right and and it's you know it's it's basically very damaging to them right um but the the whole idea is you do what you do to win the game it's it's sort of uh it's like you know like i'm sure that in football there's like you know unconventional ways of tackling players you know that that you know things ask, must escalate in football as well right wouldn't they yeah they've they've gotten uh, more aggressive about trying to make the, the game safer right uh so like certain kinds of, of blocks are not legal anymore certain kinds of tackles are not legal anymore yeah we um, have we have like head hits and stuff like that in in the nhl you're not allowed to take a run of the guy's head you know well or from behind the now they, they've or, really cracked yeah. down on hits from behind because they're very dangerous at the yeah. speed that hockey players can travel and the size they are they can yeah. Yeah. it's resulted in serious neck injuries yeah it reminds me of rollerball the movie rollerball like i don't know if you remember that maybe from the 70s or whatever it was right james Conn you know, had like huh james you had guys Conn. on motorcycle and rollerblades and you know had, it was you know somebody trying to put a, a ball into a little circle and hit quarterbacks and it was all sort of you know played up like professional sports 
just kind of played up, right? Um, but yeah, it was like people died in that movie, right? That was the whole idea behind it, right? Like that's how far sport had gotten, you know, in, in this fictitious future of rollerball land or whatever, right? Yeah, wait for it. Coming soon. Yeah. Gladiatorial yeah. combat. I think Running Man is next. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, um, uh, Xavier and I were watching some of the NHL playoffs the other day and I can't remember what it was. Somebody, somebody took a run at one of the goalies and he said, why mm-hmm. does I don't understand why one of those guys does just like use a stick to just like whash a guy, slash a guy. And I was like, A, you never saw Billy Smith play or run mm-hmm. Hextall. Or, or or David Kuline. Yeah. Uh, and B, uh, you, we really, I think you're, you're almost 15 now. It's time for you to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger's Running Man where we can yeah. really get into, you know. How stupid hockey that was. <laughs> he had the razor-edged goalie stick. I mean, come on. Haven't you always dreamt of the razor-edged goalie stick? You get him out of your crease Please. awfully fast. Please. <laughs> now, my favorite thing to do with a player was, so so what people do in, in like, you know, as a goaltender, obviously, honey, but what people do is they park themselves in front of you so you can't see, like they, they put their butt right in your face so you can't see the guy taking the shot, right? So my favorite thing to do was just as the guy was winding up to take the shot was, was take my glove hand and push the guy standing in front of me into the shot for fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and does that work as a deterrent when they get hit with their own player's shot? It does. Shot? It makes them think twice about it next time they, they, they'll they'll be a little... Uh, some some of them, some of them are just meatheads and they don't, but you know, more part of, they don't care. But um, yeah, no, that was just something I I took to doing is you know pushing like like if they're gonna if you're gonna park in front of me, you know, like most other guys would hack at your ankles or whatever, right? But uh, I just found that if I put my the you know my, if I just put my glove between his shoulder blades and pushed him forward, yeah, <laughs> off balance, you know, only did it a few times, but you know, as opposed to the David Kuline patented one across the back of the ankles. Yeah, I mean, well, he was a Billy, Billy Smith fan, right? So. <laughs> yeah. He was. Yeah. Gotta admit, there's an artistry to that one, too. Yeah. You know? I mean, the subtlety is not getting caught doing it right. That's the thing. Yeah. So... But now we have video replay. But, I mean, the thing about this is like people, people like, like the thing about rec league, which I hated the most was that guys would come in on a breakaway, right? And they're coming at you full speed and yet they don't have the skills to stop. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. It's just a game, right? At the, in a rec league, like, so I don't, I need to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I don't want to get like, you know, physically damaged because you can't skate, you know, that was my biggest problem with, with playing hockey with so-called adults. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else we can tell you about hockey there, honey? No, that was, that was quite explanatory. But I, I did think about something that I just watched. So I try to follow along with the, uh, the G. McDonald Sestra cast um, that we yeah. talked about earlier that you're yeah. uh, you're, you're going to be on or, rather soon. So season three, episode two, uh-huh. there's a scene where it's like a happy family scene. And they're like, oh, they just have this new house and they're playing hockey indoors. I'm like, what? It's like this play, this, this show is supposed to take place in America. That oh, dude's really? American, I think. And these, you know, this one's like British. I don't think anybody's busting out the hockey sticks indoors. Uh, uh, I feel like it showed its its Canadian roots there, where, where somebody wrote like they do fun thing in the house. Oh, okay, of course it's going to be hockey, right? That's what I do with my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny we talked about that on on the show the other day, and and um, I don't think they specifically say. I think at one point um, Felix says about Allison, one of the characters on the show, living in Scarberia, which is our nickname for Scarborough, Ontario, right? Which is one of the um, boroughs near Toronto. But um, yeah, I, I don't think they necessarily say that it's filmed in, or I mean, sorry, it is filmed 
filmed in Toronto, but they or was filmed in Toronto. They don't actually say that it's in, taking place in Toronto. It's you know some fictitious place you know in the United States somewhere in North America, right? But, uh, but you're right that that does seem a bit out of character, right? So, but it's funny. I posted a picture the other day of um, kids warming up for ball hockey, which is what they do when they take the ice out. They just put running shoes on and get balls instead of pucks, and and they play hockey ball. Or, you know, basically ball hockey it's called, right? Um, so I posted it saying you know Canadian kids you know practicing baseball, yeah. right? Um, but but funnily enough, I was walking Mac uh, past one of the parks where I think there was a bunch of girls, you know, a girl league playing um, ball hockey, and the girls you could see the girls walking towards the the, uh, the rink. But um, there was a tennis court there, and there were four girls on the tennis court with hockey sticks and a ball, and they were they were lift they were learning how to shoot lift the shot, right? And so they were playing tennis with hockey with hockey equipment. They're basically like lifting the puck over the net kind of thing, right? Hmm. You know, which oh, is an interesting okay. way to learn. <laughs> so what's the difference between this um, ball hockey you're talking about and field hockey? Well, field hockey is played with uh, with a little hook um, thing, um, and there's a different different rules. But ball hockey is the same rules as as ice hockey, except for with one exception, and that has to do with offside passes. But um, in fact, I think the offside pass is gone. Isn't a two line pass gone in, um, yep. in in NHL now? Yep. So when I was growing up, when I was a kid, you know, you had you had the center line down the middle, which is the red line, and then you had two blue lines, which um, you basically start each zone, each like each defending zone, right? And there's probably I think it's twenty feet between them or something like that. Um, and you were not allowed to pass the puck forward to another player that crossed two lines. It was called a two line pass, right? Yep. Um, but in order to speed the game up, they've taken away that rule, so now you can pass, you know, across two lines, right? So that's why you get these sort of passes where one guy is way the heck, you know, skating towards the the enemy zone or the other team's zone, and and the defender will pass it up to him, right? Um, so hockey's evolved over the years. I mean, the, the rules have changed and stuff like that to make the game faster. You know, have you know the the goal equipment is is thinner now to because they they assume the goal equipment was so big that that's why people couldn't score on them and so on and so forth. And they've even talked about making the nets bigger. They, there's a rule now where the goaltenders can't go into the corner of the rinks because it used to be that you'd get good skaters and good stick handlers like Martin Brodeur as an example who could play the puck and it was like having a sixth guy on the ice, right? And and uh, yeah, he's, he so they, legitimately outscored some of his teammates and he's seasons scoring assists by passing so well and actually yeah. legitimately scoring goals when the other team would pull their goalie. He yeah. would reach into the corner, he would dig it out and he would fire it up over everyone's head and into the net. Yeah, yeah. So he's, I think he scored at least two goals. One in the playoff game for sure. But I think he scored, and there's I, been a number I think of he scored goal, like goalies. five or six in his career. Yeah, I think, and there's been a number of goaltenders who've done that. I mean, it's, a, it's a difficult shot to do. I've tried it a few times myself, but... Um, and then, like you know, Mike Palmatier was was uh, one of these guys where in a game you would you would basically flip and you switch ends from one end to the ice to the <laughs> other, and and uh, so he would uh, with the heel of his skate he would chop up the ice in the crease so that by the other time the uh, the other goaltender switched near the end of a game he would have really rough ice to play in in the crease, right? So they made a rule that they didn't change at the at the end of the game they stayed in the same net. So that that was the sort of the Mike Palmatier rule, right? So yep. Mm. And I've got another question about because you mentioned the the goal the goalie pads uh-huh. uh so that was an attempt to like oh okay well the the goalie pads are too big is blocking off too much of the goal uh-huh. what prevents a team from having just a rather rotund person back there who physically <laughs> blocks the entire goal nothing well at at that level at that level of game like you like the goaltenders if you see these guys that play hockey like like i mean when gretzky gretzky was like five i think he's my height five eleven almost yep. six foot right yep. but now hockey players are all like you know jonathan six two 
six three, six four. Yeah. Um, and they're all built like Greek gods. Like they're all you know they're muscle on t- muscles on muscles, mm-hmm. right? Even the goaltenders, right? Like at that level of the game, like they are so head and shoulders above skill level of the, of the average human yeah. that they don't look like the average human. Well, they have to be they're 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 you know fit and trim you know athletes without an inch of, ounce of fat on their body. So so that's to answer your question, you couldn't compete at that level if you were at least you know I mean used to be that goaltenders would could be a little bit tubby and you know well uh, goalies used to be like legitimately people get into being goalies or got into being goalies in the past because they were usually the last kid picked they weren't the best skaters and they often were the smallest because yeah but they could be fast or they'd have good reflexes but you would put the big strapping guys out to take the bangs and the hits and you put a little guy in the net because that was the last guy picked so the good goalies would just be little guys who ended up developing those skills but over time if you like uh, tim's right when i was a kid in the 1970s mike palmateer was like the star goalie of the maple leafs he was like five eight like he's a little dude yeah tiny guys yeah now there are guys in the league who are playing goal who are six five six six who are every bit like capable of being a full you know skating forward but they take up a ton of space when they stretch their wingspan they cover the entire net plus yeah they crouch down right and crouch down. so when they crouch down and they put their pads down flat they go post to post so they cover the entire bottom of the net with their legs spread and they're super flexible and when they spread arm to arm they can pick anything with their blocker and their glove like it's a completely different era in the sport and that's why everyone's like oh wayne gretzky you know oh you know whatever yeah but he was playing against guys who were half the size of the guys that are now and the nets haven't changed dimensions so they're filling up a lot more space their equipment's bigger better stronger they don't they're not scared of getting hit like those guys were like yeah exactly when you fired a puck what was the goalie who used to play for uh boston who had all the, the scar marks on his mask oh, Jerry Cheevers Jerry Cheevers yeah. Jerry Cheevers had a white mask he would start every season with a white mask and every time he got hit by a puck he would draw in a stitch at the end of each year he would retire that mask and it looked like something out of a horror movie it was covered in scar marks yeah yeah because that's all and the Johnny, scars Johnny Bauer had. who was Johnny Bauer who was the last Leaf goaltender in, in the 60s to win the cup they used to only have one goaltender they didn't have a backup goaltender back in the day right and so he would get hit and he would play without a mask he'd get hit in the face with the puck and of course it would open his skin he would like start bleeding and they would stop the game take him off the take him to the bench or take him to the dressing room the doctor would come in and stitch up his face and then he would go back into the game with no mask with no mask and right. continue to play the game right so when and if you watch bobby Orr, who's another bobby Orr was another guy who was head and shoulders above uh, the rest of players he, he was the first defenseman to, to skate up and sort of shoot and and score and he was like he was unbelievably skilled hockey player he could take the puck and just skate around all you know 12 guys on the ice right or 11 guys on the ice but um uh if you watch the goaltenders when he was playing they weren't they didn't really have all the sort of um skills and style and kind of stuff so they were kind of like they were kind of hopeless in terms of the way like if i in retrospect knowing what i know about playing goal now after having you know gone through all the theory and practicing stuff that works butterfly style which you know people like patrick Waugh um and mike lee i think uh originated um they were they were they didn't stand a chance because they weren't really doing they were just kind of like standing in front of the shot or whatever or they would kind of stack their pads and it just like he would just walk in and just toss the puck at the net and it would go in um and, you know when gretzky came along 
he was playing with with like it's funny the russian uh the, we had a canada russia series in 72 and and because uh, the russians and and other countries used to only play in the olympics but they took the, the russians kind of upped the game by having you know more skills in in their practices including the way the goal the way they trained the goaltenders so they they actually developed the science of goaltending and then so a famous goaltender named vladislav trechak was one of the first guys to write a book on goaltending um and sort of how he learned and how he was taught by the Russian Red Army team to to play. And then, you know, over time, that goaltending has become a skill. So that, like Jonathan says now, if you watch a goaltender now, they wear their pads loose so that when they're kneeling and they put their, kneeling with their feet out, the pads are loose enough that they actually form a wall across the bottom of the net. And um, not all of them are like, you know, like Jonathan said, from six, because if uh, the net is six feet wide. So when your feet are down, you're not necessarily six feet wide. But if you watch those guys, they go down when the puck's behind behind the net and they have the skill as athletes to actually slide across or, or sort of i don't know scuttle across from one post to the other which is in, i you know can tell you from having played the position is incredibly hard to do right um but you if you watch these guys when you're watching a hockey game just watch them when when the when the player goes behind the net with the puck and they, they go down into that sort of butterfly position which is what that's called and they can move back and forth on on the net and they've done statistics and studies and all that kind of stuff like 70 percent of the of the goals that go in the into a net are scored along the ice so by putting your pads like that you know creating such a wide wall you know you're statistically you're going to stop more more shots right or more more goals as it were right but one of my favorite favorite expressions from Wayne Gretzky you know the one about the go where the puck is going my favorite expression by him which a lot of a lot of players don't learn they ever learn it's funny having played hockey for so long is that 100% of the goals are scored are, are shots that were done taken at the net yeah <laughs> Like I've played with guys who, you know, dipsy doodle and they come and they look for someone to, and you're like, like as a goaltender, you get bored watching these guys play, right? So I'm looking, I did a Google search of like just ice hockey goalie things and I can understand how it's not physically possible to do what I'm describing in say soccer because no no person is so rotund that they would actually physically block the entire goal. Yeah, I mean short of like Yokozuna from the WWF, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, like a 600 pound man, just shove them in front of the goal and there might be like, you know, like a tiny one hole and, and three hole, I think if I'm doing that correctly. Um, how come nobody does that? Like as far as I can see, there isn't any limitation on the the body armor they're wearing beyond the pad. Oh so no, it's not no, like all that stuff bare, is smaller skin. than it used to be. Like like they're they're practically svelte compared to how they used to be. Yeah, it's a weird one though because uh, so you can get special exemptions for for stick size and and uniform size and stuff, but you actually have to apply for it. Like there's a player who plays for Boston named Zdeno Chara who's six foot nine, and the rules say your stick can't be over a certain length because it's unfair, right? It wouldn't be safe. These guys would be swinging these lumber logs around if if they were longer than a certain length but he's so tall that he had to apply for an exemption to get a stick that actually fits him but if he tried to lend one of his sticks to their teammates it would be taller than they are so if you had a sumo wrestler in a net i don't even know if you could get that around the rules as far as the requirement for uniform and, and equipment sizes like i don't even know how that would work yeah it, it just amused me like all right you can have your you know uh, your yarmir yager you can have your uh denise crosby's cousin because <laughs> i can't remember his name. Sydney, Marlowe, Sydney Crosby. Thank you. Yes, that shows how little I know. <laughs> you know those those season tickets <laughs> for the Seattle team are not going fast for you. I think. 
<laughs> no, I did. I did not put down my money because I was like, all right, other people are going to do it. You know, they'll have the uh, the half hour special in the local uh, sports uh, you know segments when you know whenever we get a hockey team. Like, all right, here's the here's the one hundred and one for all you noobs, which clearly I would be. Um, with all of the, that firepower of, of greats, it feels like it literally would not matter if there is not a puck-sized hole in front of them going into the net. I, and I'm surprised nobody's tried to take advantage of this. I, I'm surprised that no one's done it. At There used to be a lot of more um, like low-level professional hockey in North America. There used to be a lot of like little leagues that were in small regions. I'm surprised in all those years nobody did that. You know, like for one night only, we paid, uh, you know, $100,000 to have Andre the Giant come and lie down in our net and just let pucks hit him. But right. I, I, yeah, I'm surprised nobody did it just as a promotional stunt. But no, I, I can't recall it ever actually happening that anyone's ever done that. But, you know, you never know. I think if I had, uh, you know, if I put on an extra 400 pounds, I'm totally going to try out. <laughs> it's funny, you, you read about these guys too, because like, there's the, you know, very large human beings. There's the guys who are in WWE. There are, you know, the guys who sumo wrestlers and stuff like that and then they're the ones you read about in like the national inquirer where they're like yeah we had to take out that back wall to get them out to get to the hospital yeah like there is legitimately n nothing that you would ever be able to see of the net behind a 600 pound human being now whether or not they yeah, want to have like a them, walrus though. they'd what they'd be lying there like a walrus they wouldn't be able to move. <laughs> but if yeah it, like i don't know the equipment rules so like i see like the you know the big pads but then i see most of the other goalies it looks like i mean this isn't dressed for winter looking stuff it looks like there's some body armor there so it's not like naked skin which would be the the big hold up for like all right the 1500 pound man who comes up on you know the learning channel sort of thing yeah i mean you need to have custom equipment made for somebody that large but it's i mean it's literally made out of the same material they use body armor it's kevlar it's meant to resist impact and you know yeah it's foam and stuff like that but you know what the thing of it is what the thing you're not counting for is the fact that the skill of the players on the ice they can put the puck anywhere on the net yeah so if you were to if you were to, to block the bottom of the net, they can they can pick corners. They can you know like watch these guys on the on the All Star game when they had the skills competition and they they have like the they put like four targets on the net like you know top corner, bottom corner, left and right. And these like most of the guys who go up for that competition can hit all four of those targets like in like less than five or six shots. So the phenomenally skilled players on the ice. I feel like I need to go do some research and find a diagram of like the fifteen hundred pound man and the scale model of that in a hockey net they go and see i'm, I'm gonna i Did just you, posted one in our slack uh chat for you to take a look at and show you how skilled some of these guys are this is somebody who is so good they can scoop the puck up on the blade a flat blade of a stick and curl it over the top of the goalie's shoulder oh wow this is this has been done several times over the years it takes a lot of moxie to make that kind of shot because if you try and hot dog like that the other team gets really mad at you but it works but you have to be really fast and really skilled to be able to do that nifty <laughs> see now you want those season tickets <laughs> start telling the coach like just find a man who physically covers everything it doesn't matter trick shots <laughs> yeah. if there's literally not a puck sized hole i just i just anywhere. got visions of a warm-up where there's like five guys pushing a corpulent man into a net so that every square inch is like wedged into the net yeah yeah i, I don't want to see the net cam view of that one 
<laughs> All right. Well, it's always a pleasure, gentlemen, but I'm going to bed. I have to get up at six. Already? Uh, yeah. Let me know if you want to. We'll, we'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow about Solo Tim, and we can decide if we want to, if we feel motivated after that one to do another one of these. You decide who the, uh, whether it should have been called Lando, a Star Wars story. Did we lose Tim? He's suddenly really quiet. Oh, you know what? I forgot I switched my microphone, so I have to push. I've been talking all this time, but you can't hear me. Cause I've been, I, I <laughs> so we just seem really rude. You're like, why are these guys talking right over me? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was, I, was, I had, I'd switched because I, when I had to stand up and walk away from the, the desk, I, I pushed my, uh, I switched my, my shusher around so it was push to talk instead of. So I've been talking to you guys this whole time. You've been ignoring me. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so rude. We just thought you were like really focused on one of the hockey highlights I was posting on Slack. So how did you hear me say the part about my leg being cramped and stuff? We heard you say, I got to stand up. That was the last thing I remember hearing. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot I switched the thing around. Oh, yeah. No, I was just saying that I got to I gotta go because I got to deal with this leg. <laughs> it's probably talking right. about hockey that made it happen. Get the cramp back. Yeah. All righty. All right, guys. Talk, Talk to you later. later. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.